I'm Steph and you're listening to The Thirst you can find us online Twitter we're at The Thirst Facebook.com forward slash The Thirst Pod our Instagram is at The Thirst Pod SoundCloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod iTunes you can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for The Thirst we're also now on Spotify um, you can find us there by searching for The Thirst and our email address if you do want to get in touch with us is thethirstpod at gmail.com um, it's episode 30 it is the big episode 30 it's our pearl wedding anniversary oh good that's why yeah good, that's, good shout that's why I worked out. Pearl. I've got what? I've got any more. Puns? Oh my god, there's so many. Okay, there? there's so many. But what if you're going to say all the ones that? Let's do one each. Okay, go on. Thirteen going on thirty. Oh, I didn't have that. Good, good shout. That film's fifteen years old this week. Yes, it is because it was on Twitter today. Timely. A zero dark thirty. Oh, thirty days of night. Good shout. Thirty seconds to Mars. Thirty rock. Oh, I That's didn't have that. Wow. Um, 30 is the minimum age for US senators. Is it? Apparently. So we can now both be... Yeah. We can both be... I oh, know, wait, I can't. I'm 29. Our podcast Our can podcast be a US can senator. Be a US senator. And a damn good job it would do. Yep. Um, also, we've been doing two years of the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's a which thing. Which is quite nice as well. So, like, happy birthday to us. Two big things. 30 episodes and a two-year anniversary of the pod. Have you got any more? I've got loads. No, go on, keep going. 30 is the international dialing number for Greece. Is it? Yep. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, I would betray people for a lot less. Easter special. There are 30 teams in the Major League Baseball League. Okay. Your blank face there. Sport, sorry. Thrall. You said a sport I turned off. Um, and then at the end... I've written I was 30 until a week ago you are nearly 30 I am nearly 30 you are yeah that that song That's you are 17 I'm that one whatever that song is what's that song is that from Sunny Music yeah it is I, I am 16 going on 17 that's the one that's okay. what I meant yeah happy birthday to you and happy birthday to the pod yeah god bless us all so on to news our first segment of the podcast and we I mean a lot has happened in the past few weeks uh, since we did our last did our last episode plenty of things that I was really excited about but now it's been so long I just feel like I'd be horrendously out of step like that Spice Girls thing that happened oh. with Jerry Halliwell and Mel C like want to discuss that and then I just thought that's slightly old yeah. it's, it's just slightly old news times, though, times so have changed google it if you haven't seen it it's just old news yeah. but what has happened fairly recently now is Coachella Coachella is back in the California desert once more for two weekends from the 12th to the 14th and the 19th to the 21st of April we covered Coachella last year during Justin Bieber's like hippie oh he went to remember church didn't he? he yeah remember when thing. he was just being straight up bizarre and we had it was Beyonce set last year it was it was wasn't it so it was Bay Chelly last year um which was a very big deal and probably the first time I really paid attention to Coachella properly do you um think that you would ever want to go to Coachella I think we discussed this before and I would be seriously pushed because it is a combination of pretty much all the people in the world I really hate in a field I would say that it's two of my least favorite things combined 
lots of people who are probably really irritating and then like being stuck in a desert uh, literally under intense heat the yeah. whole time it's all the people that didn't like made it to fire festival and were disappointed Ooh. get to go to Coachella yeah. instead like this is their budget weekend really yeah. isn't it so um I f- yeah i think we both and especially over here in england where you know Coachella is obviously not a thing for us it is just such a bizarre thing also the two weekender thing mm-hmm. i find really weird because I would always worry that what if you got the slightly more naff weekend? Because the lineup's the same for both weekends, but you yeah. presume that like if you went on the last weekend, it's going to be better. It would be better. They'll pull out more stops. Also, this weekend because they've tested it out. Yeah, the first weekend was marred by loads of like yeah, sound exactly. problems. So like, I just feel like whatever happens, you're going to end up in the slightly less. Because who like, has the money to go to both? Well, I bet loads of these Rihanna, people do, Rihanna actually. But I don't know if I could be bothered to see no. some people perform the same set twice, really. Anyway, it's a bit of a weird concept. But this year, the headliners included... Uh, there was Janelle Monae, The 1975, DJ Snake, Blackpink, Kid Cudi, Weezer, random, Tame Impala, Childish Gambino and Ariana Grande. As I mentioned, the first weekend was kind of marred by a lot of technical difficulties. Billie Eilish's set was late due to problems. Nicki Minaj couldn't hear in her earpiece during oh, that, read that Ari set so she was really off which is a bit awful but there were some really good things they had Janelle Monet and Lizzo twerking was very Loved that. good that was rather lovely um, and Idris Elba old what's, his, oh, what's DJ? his DJ name I can't remember Big Driz something Big, like that Lil Driz Lil Driz Big something Driz. like that it's something like that did a DJ set that people actually seem to be quite impressed by so uh, I'm just amazing I, I'm not really sure how I feel about Idris Elba anymore he's obviously like he's just very handsome but he's does he feel a bit sad to you we watched the SNL episode that he hosted mm. and it was like one of the most boring episodes of this season which isn't really saying much because this season's been all over the place but I was like oh I don't know if I actually like I think he's a bit sad like Idris dad. Elba I think he might be a bit sad quite sad dad yeah he is sad dad I think. He's cool though, so like he's he's much cooler than any other set. Well, I thought this DJ set would be like the least cool thing to ever happen, mm-hmm. but people seem to think it was actually. Maybe right, it's because so. people didn't think that he had like they were just baffled by the idea of him being a DJ, and then actually. I mean, it seems ludicrous. You know, when really. you think something's going to be shit. Yeah. So like you just like the, the way in which like I don't know Kendall Jenner could be like oh I want to be a DJ now too yeah. and it would probably be really naff or Kim Kardashian decides she wants to be a lawyer now yeah that's that, that sort of thing yeah. like but it turns out he's actually quite good at it so that's, Who knew? that's nice Ariana's first set she brought out NSYNC yeah without Justin Timberlake without though. and she filled in on his vocals didn't mm, she so. I mean I'd be a bit I mean I'm extremely pro Jason yeah, I was, I was so <laughs> like fine but also he yeah. had his time this time didn't who they? cares about the others. Sorry, I Lance literally uh, couldn't. I mean, Lance was probably looking the least tragic out of all of them, though. Really? They were looking like I didn't. I don't think I even saw photos. God, that's bad. Did it? you see? Did you see them singing "Tearing Up My Heart"? Did you watch it? I've heard the audio. I just didn't. Oh. I don't know why. They look quite. I feel like they didn't go out and get a haircut or sort themselves out for this. Like you think it was you a would? little bit sad. Wouldn't yes. you? But, I mean, it was joyful because it was them good and they song, were singing a good so. song and Ari was really good yeah. and very supportive of them and that's very nice. But they were looking a little bit... Bit ropey. Bit ropey. I like that she brought out Justin Bieber as well. Yeah, that was very good. I preferred that. I thought he was on hiatus. Is this his, like, one... He's on hiatus, but then he's being irritate- irritating at all times. He's on just Instagram, being isn't he? the Biebs, so... isn't he? He's just being very he's godly and such. Down. I don't think... I saw, like, a couple of clips of it after it happened, and... I don't think I don't know if he was actually singing or whether he no. was just miming. Who who knew? Wait, miming is that the word? 
Do you mean lip syncing? Yeah, not miming. It's he wasn't like in a lip- box, like <laughs> pretending like she's singing. He had the a vocals, beret and was wearing stripes. Just in stripes, and this is what Justin Bieber does now. He mimes um, for a living. Great. Uh, yeah, I, that was good. I mean, her Ari's set looked very good, and you know, a lot of fun. And I think, what do you think about people? I mean, this is just going to happen forever now, but people just trying to draw um, comparisons between Ari Cella and B Cella. People just say, like, oh, I couldn't live up to this and couldn't live up to that. I think the problem is, is that Coachella peaked last year. I mean, yeah, you're not... No one... Who else on the planet has the ability to do what, like... I... No one else could get away with it either. I love Donald Glover and I'm really bummed that I didn't go to any of the Childish Gambino Mm. dates that he did here. But, like, him and Ari don't have... That they're never gonna hit the 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 heights of like Beyonce's performance last right? year. Right, there's just no one is no. actually, and that's that is when I. There's was literally like not another single person on the planet really no. who's gonna pull something out that bit, and so original, like not just like a tour stop doing the same show, like an yeah. original thing. Yeah, definitely. So I do I do um think that Coachella probably peaked last year accordingly. By comparison, also like Kanye West this year, mm-hmm. like he pulled out of headline because he wanted them to build a dome, and they just literally laughed at him and said He's fuck no. Old. But they let Beyonce do like what she did last yeah. year. She could literally do anything. But I kind of feel bad for Ari for people saying that because I think it's it's, a, yeah, it's not a fair it's comparison. Really and also, like, I saw Beyonce's, like, obviously the size and scale and magnitude of that set was amazing. It also had a lot of other things, you know, sort of contextually going on. She was, like, the first black woman to headline. Mm. Like, there's a lot of other really big reasons why that's going to be iconic. Yeah. And so other people aren't going to live up to that for different reasons. Also, I don't really just need to pit, like, female singers against each other by no. saying, like, who had the best set. That's like, one of the things I felt when I was reading recaps about the whole weekend. I felt like it just felt like a really lazy and unfair comparison because, you know, I wonder if... Why? Well, I wonder if... People weren't saying to Childish Gambino no, set live up to Beyonce. that's what I mean. So it just felt very, very lazy and unfair, really. It is. Let's just let all the women headline. That's absolutely fine. We don't need to compare each other to anything. It's um, just, did yeah. you want to talk about Kanye West? I think we probably should. So you watched some of Sunday Service. I turned it on. I surprised and at, myself. And at the point that I turned it on, it was, it was literally literally because it aired 5 p.m here and i turned it on at did on five and nothing was happening and my i just got bored after i think it was quite one. a long yeah process. so i just was confused by the the like portal the, po- the, po- the little pinhole like looking through a toilet hole <sighs> it stressed- toilet hole toilet roll the <laughs> cardboard toilet roll tube it, thing it um stressed me out so i turned off and then then you said that you were watching it yeah, I watched, so we watched opposites. You watched the beginning when nothing was happening and I watched to the end as it was kind of like... Tailing I, off. Well, yeah, it was tailing off. But firstly, this began at 9am. Who at festivals People were queuing to from this at 9am? That's to nuts. get in. That's crazy. Who has That's, the time? That is such an early... I just can't believe it. But yeah, I saw the end, which is basically when Kanye had actually started ramping up. So from what I gather, he didn't do like a lot. I don't think he did a lot as in terms of sort of actually singing so mm. singing himself until later in the oh, set okay. um he relied a lot on guests and it's sort of and he wasn't playing like piano and stuff until later mm-hmm. so i kind of watched just as they were well a couple of songs before they did jesus walks which was pretty much the one that i wanted to see when i saw the set list anyway which was quite well timed which was very good and it seemed i mean i was surprised because i thought i was going to log in and literally watch him standing on a the hill preaching like that wouldn't surprise me if it was yeah. just like two hours of him preaching at everyone well he's been doing these sunday services 
in LA anyway. Yeah, he's like, been doing them since January. Yeah, I think. as a thing. So it's interesting that he wanted to bring it to Coachella. I guess it's like the audience. It's a bit of a weird audience for it though, because it's just like it was just bringing gospel music to like a, a bunch of like predominantly like white rich people that probably don't even go to church. Yeah. It was a bit. It was a bit odd. But the people on I say on stage on the hill mm-hmm. on the mound looked like having they were having the best time ever. Kid Cudi and Chance were having. Well, Chance was having <sighs> the best time Cuddy. ever. Kid Cudi's um, face at some point. I know. Looked a bit sad, stony. But Um, Chance was having the best time. Little Chance. He Um, was. Do you want to talk about the price of the merchandise? Yeah, that's... um, It's so naff, though. Yeah. For all of the, like, ah, like, when I watched the parts of the live stream I did, I was like, this is actually, credit to him, probably one of the most interesting things Kanye West has done for quite a long time, apart from being a really bizarre human being yeah. with some weird Trump views and being mad to Kim Kardashian. He's boring. Um, this was actually interesting. But the merch... Sweatshirts were $225. Socks were $50. T-shirts were $70. And they just looked shit. I said to you, they looked like a bootleg T-shirt that you would buy off the floor outside the LCR, which is like a right. venue near us. Like, they for like well, £5. They look properly bootleg. Like a shitty, like... Photocopy Mikey poster. could make us some better ones. Than Mikey that. could make some quality apparel, and it wouldn't cost this much. Right. Um, terrible, and they were like brown. Awful. The only the only they're thing just... I said were good were the Jesus Walk socks because they were like marginally funny. Were sick. They're very in line with his like range of clothing anyway. Right. I'm not paying fifty dollars for them though. But they like people were queuing for like ages. eBay for gold it. though. Absolute insanity. Um, but I also feel like that totally you know on the one hand people saying like you know they had this really uplifting performance on the other this is a man clearly with a god complex who you know for all his like christian whatever's is charging like an extortionate amount for merchandise so well, doesn't okay. quite i don't think that sits well with christian values personally no they gave him a platform and he took it and was there anything else at coachella that you wish you to <sighs> not really i think that was pretty much the only thing i just wanted to for me um two things I wanted to reference one you've mentioned Janelle Monae and Lizzo did you oh, see yes. the Janelle Monae watching Lizzo like a proud mum no. filming her oh. it was really cute um, also and Donald Glover smoked, smoked a joint mid-set with someone in the crowd did he really? yeah that was quite cute did you quite fancy that a lot? despite the fact yeah I love like... Donald Glover so and for, I, I just imagine you'd be quite into the image of him smoking weed in, right in my face stoner stoner yeah, yeah stoner Donald I feel like you'd be into um, that so yeah, that that was Coachella. Yeah, I mean, for another year, we'll see what happens happens next year. More pe more people in like culturally inappropriate headdresses, I'm sure. Um, and just a quick, well, this could escalate rapidly, couldn't it? And now for forty five minutes of this. Now for forty five minutes no. of this. This is what the podcast is. Shia LaBeouf has a, a new tattoo. We love talking well, about tattoos on this, don't we? We don't know if it's new or not, but it has, for some unknown reason, gained some press this week. So but also, is it real? Is it real or is it not? So I don't think it's the worst thing I've seen or that he's got let's start there well uh is it better or worse than the it's not it's not the worst thing i've seen go on is it the worst one he's got? I mean, the Missy Elliott ones are fairly shit. Steph, he's got some awful tattoos. In a grand ranking. But this does say Creeper. So it says Creeper in block letters. Um, there is the possibility that it's for a movie as it's prominently displayed in the publicity photo for um, an upcoming... I mean, he didn't, like, accidentally lift his shirt up there, did he? It was a bit no, like, so it's a little... um, the, the poster for the film called The Tax Collector, which is directed by David Eyre. That sounds so boring. Just want to put it out there. I reckon it'll be good. Though. I mean, it's got it's got him in it, so fine. But, like... David Eyre makes, like, good films. 
I just... end of watch, but also bad films. I Suicide Squad, the tax collector. Just but he looks he looks like a, kind of a gangster, so I reckon it'll be interesting. Okay. Anyway, Curious so the well. the art for that film clarifies what is in the photo that has been circulating. So the outside of the where it says creeper, and then above it, there's two women. A one in sort of insane clown posse esque clown makeup, and the other great got a pair of Mickey Mouse gloves. This is not real. Pointing at each other, this so it's kind of like real. Mexican kind of gang inspired i suppose i don't think it's real i don't think it's real but i really enjoyed that it got i mean it's entirely plausible that it is real yeah because it's him it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if he had it and they were like oh we're gonna build out the rest of the can you imagine if that's the way it is like a reverse they're like we're trying to think of some good tattoo oh wow you've got that shocker of a tattoo let's just build your entire character around uh, that awful artwork yeah, right I mean the thing is there's the, the uh, I don't think he's actually said anything about whether it's true or not he could try and deny it much like Ben Affleck tried to deny that horrible wow. back tattoo and we know the truth which transpired that it was real there's nothing as sad as Ben Affleck's but tattoo the thing that this became very apparent well made very apparent to me and to you by osmosis was the fact that by osmosis sorry was the fact I'm not that... a potato <laughs> <laughs> yes but we're like one so... yes we are Send me your potato sugars. (laughs) That's all I can think of from school is when I talk about osmosis. Anyway, carry on. Yes. Um, It's just that I I have such a deep interest. 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 That's a lie. Liking of Shia the Buff. Despite the fact that he's disgusting. He's so disgusting. But isn't he extremely hot for such a disgusting man? so disgusting. He doesn't wash regularly. He 100% rarely showers smells like beer i reckon he showers maybe once a week yes tops yeah probably smells like sweat and cigarette smoke yes probably the uh, the ambience of someone that smokes a lot of weed as well he's just a stoner isn't a bit he beery greasy greasy stoner <sighs> yeah with horrible tattoos horrible tattoos well i mean my reputation for fancying people with ugly tattoos is just i mean yeah i'm known for that so He's just really hot, isn't he? Yeah, disgustingly so. That's. I mean, I'm glad that's me- the main crux of this conversation. I think the thing is, because there are a couple of other people that we know, um, who I won't name in shame, because that's really unfair, isn't it? Sophie and uh, Georgie. Yeah. <laughs> um And, like, so we talk about him under, you know... Under the radar. Uh, under the radar. What, in secret communities? Yeah, but, like, 100%. April's got a secret Shire like fan account. Imagine if I did. Oh, that would be find out like the lead. What's your the favorite... person pers- posting mu- most on the Shire hashtag is like me. Yeah. What's your favorite Shire film? Oh, that's a tough one. Isn't that a tough one? It's well, it's not Indiana Jones. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't much. think I've seen him in Indiana Jones. Um, oh, I don't know. Have you seen American Honey? No, I haven't seen it yet. Mm, is that good. your favorite? Uh, well, it's three hours long, so. There we go. Is that anyone's favourite? That's the film I said to you that he's just like very dirty and. Why haven't we watched Nymphomaniac? <laughs> I knew you were going to. That is a literal film in which he penetrates someone. Why haven't <laughs> we seen that? I'm so sorry, Mum. But I don't understand why we haven't seen it. <laughs> really, because I don't think I could dare sit. I don't think I could sit through Nymphomania. Could you sit? I, I could sit next to you and sit through and it. watch it. Together. I'm glad we didn't see it at the cinema. We were going to do the, the however many hours of it back to back. Twelve hours. Yeah. I mean, I maybe we could watch like forty minutes at some point. Do you think there's a highlights reel? Maybe we can find it on YouTube. I reckon someone's done a supercut on Yeah, let's watch YouTube. a supercut. Um, what's your favourite show? Film? I think it's probably Fury. Okay. Or I don't know what mine is. Lawless because of Tom. Oh Cardi. my god, Lawless. Oh, it might be Lord. They're all so handsome in that. They are. Aren't that's they? such a good film because they're it's all got so a Nick handsome. Cave soundtrack. Can't remember what happens, but it's so handsome. Yeah, that's a great choice. I would of all the the shires that I would probably partake in things with. That's that's I, I like that one. 
Have you seen Guide to Recognising Your Saints? No. Channing Tatum? Oh. Oh, they're really good in there. Is he shirtless in it? Yeah. I'm just doing a... I'm having a look at... Hang on. Let me have a look at his discogra- discography. His, his discography. discography. And so I can work out what else he's been in. Oh, God. You know when he used to look really weedy? That wasn't a good look. He shouldn't grow... Mm, I'm not sure about the beard. Yeah, Fury... Oh, Transformers, no. I'm not convinced he's been in many good films. Well, he hasn't, so there you go. Disturbia? Jesus. I, I went to see Surf Disturbia up. at the cinema. Constantine. Wow. Never Is he seen. in Charlie's Angels? Great. Is he in Freaks and Geeks? Really young, yeah. Herbert. Herbert and Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Anyway, this is all This is all great. Even Stevens. Just good times. Anyway. Basically, we'll, fancy we'll, him and... We'll share a picture of that tatty because it is um, very awful. So onto things we've seen recently or heard recently, what we've enjoyed, what we've not enjoyed. Um, this is a little bit old now, but we had mentioned in the last podcast that we were going to see it and we were very excited. Um, we went and saw Us. I think we saw it like three um, days after we recorded I think we did. Time. Yeah, it was terrible timing, cusp. actually. It was really on the cusp. Us and the entire world have gone out and seen Us, uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele, produced by Peele alongside Jason Blum of Blumhouse Productions and Sean McKittrick. And those that trio have previously collaborated on Get Out and Black Klansman, as well as Ian Cooper. The film stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Chahadi writes Joseph, Evan Alex, Elizabeth Moss, and Tim Heidecker. Heidecker? Heidecker. Heidecker. For those who haven't seen it, and I think probably most people who are listening to this have, um, a little recap. So uh, a family and two kids, mum and dad, um, go away on an idyllic summer getaway. Haunted by an unexplainable and unresolved trauma from her past, and compounded by a string of eerie coincidences, Adelaide, who is the mother, feels her paranoia elevate to high alert as she grows increasingly certain that something bad is going to befall her family. After spending a tense day at the beach with her friends, the Tylers, Adelaide and her family return to their vacation home. When darkness falls, the Wilsons discover the silhouette of four figures holding hands as they stand in the driveway. So us pits an endearing American family against a terrifying and uncanny opponent, doppelgangers of themselves. This has been a film that we've been waiting for for a long time. The trailer has had us just absolutely hyped. Um, and we both really enjoyed Get Out. We both really enjoyed dissecting and discussing Get Out. Did we ever talk um, about Get Out on the podcast? Or I, it, had it come out just before we'd started? I can't remember. I know we definitely did it in the roundup, like yeah. an end of year roundup. But I think we did discuss it. But I, I might feel be... like it came out... I remember reading lots of BuzzFeed articles at the time when BuzzFeed was more of a thing. Yeah, I think I feel like we maybe did it in our like mid-year recap because i think it came out like february march yeah that would probably make sense yeah. so i think it was just so this before. is our first jordan peele uh installment during during the podcast yeah. which is nice but yeah there was there was a lot of hype and excitement around this it had some quite big shoes to fill do you want to give your thoughts on it what you thought because we actually between us haven't discussed it at length yet no because so. we'd purposefully been kind of avoiding doing too much for a deep dive in it together i think because we were conscious that like we would just do it for the podcast let's just save the best discussion for this um so this is the point at which i will say spoiler warning oh yeah massive spoiler warning i do feel like bothered to not spoil this i do feel like most people will have probably seen it by now but i don't want to ruin it for anyone that's what timestamps are are for we do those now we're very good right so um i really liked it off the bat i don't think that i enjoyed it as much as get out Mm-hmm. However, just mm-hmm. from a from a sheer 
sheer like experience my initial reaction when we left the cinema i didn't have the same like feeling i remember yeah having when we saw get out that said i think what i've enjoyed most about us is the sheer amount of like post-watching homework and yeah. research that I did. We like a deep dive, don't yeah, we? Yeah, because I think that there's so much that you can read into this film with regards to what it means, mm-hmm. the, the references that are made in it, the things and the themes that Jordan Peele is getting at, the little, you know, all of the Easter eggs in it, the amount mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. articles and, you know, YouTube Oh, God, it's like spawned a thousand essays of, like... The amount of stuff that, that I've engaged with in the last, like, five or six weeks, I guess, since we've seen it has been mad Mm. um there's an entire thread on the ringer which has got a whole load of articles which i'll make sure we link to oh yeah there's definitely link to that so many there i mean and that's not the only place that you can find all this stuff like i think i was going between like 10 websites at Mm. one point just trying to interrogate all of it um there is one that i really liked that was um miles sorry for the ringer which was what does us mean and the cool thing about that is that a lot of it were kind of different elements that he'd picked apart from it and a lot of them were inspired by things that were popping up on reddit so anytime a new theory oh that's very cool it would reddit is very useful isn't it right and there were there were things in that article that were very much in line with my immediate takeaway thoughts so right off the bat my one of my big things was like what does Adelaide actually remember oh my god yeah that's one the of big, the tethered the so question. obviously you know the the big twist is that Adelaide who is Lupita Nyong'o's character it turns out at the end of the film mm. we discover that she's actually the tethered version mm. of herself she and the doppelganger she and the doppelganger switch when they were children so at the beginning you are positive you are kind of shown this you know um, young Adelaide goes into a kind of haunted house Mm. she sees a doppelganger of herself and then it it kind of go you know the screen blacks out and you don't really know what happens in that scenario but we know that it traumatized her a great deal she's just deeply traumatized so there's a lot to be said about like childhood trauma and you know you see that she then goes to therapy because she's not talking because obviously she experienced Mm. this um traumatic event and then later on we learned actually that the girl that was going through all of that is the one that came up from Mm. underground Mm. so you know how much does adult adelaide know the thing that obviously makes a lot of sense is um, Red, who is Adelaide's doppelganger, mm. is the only one of the tethered that speaks. That speaks, yeah. And she's got a very, like, throaty, dry voice. Like, she hasn't spoken for a very long like time. Like, she hasn't spoken in a very long yeah, time. So yeah. th- there's that kind of stuff, you know. Um, there's little things as well that I had about... And they're not necessarily, like, plot holes, mm. but there are things that make me think beyond the film which yeah. I think Jordan Peele is very good at doing yeah, is that really he presents good. you with a story but there's a lot going on that makes you kind of then sit back and the thing that I really liked about Get Out is the second mm. time I saw it knowing what had happened or yeah. what was going to happen having that knowledge just being able to pick up on yeah. signs yeah. and Absolutely. signals towards what was actually mm. going on mm. and I think that us is definitely the case that I had that experience of when I read things so you know like what happens if the real world when the real world people go on holiday day like do the the do the tethered change location mm, as well mm, mm. so there's little you know how far does it go so well, we're obviously presented with this motif of hands across america which was mm. a 1986 initiative designed to raise money for the awareness of homelessness and we see that very much at the beginning where mm. adelaide is watching that as a kid on tv and then obviously yeah. she's then inspired to kind of reenact that when she comes above ground yeah, with yeah, the rest yeah. of the tethered which means it's set in a very specific moment sure. and i think that there's lots of really interesting things that jordan peele did then with the particular time frame so mm. you know, 1986-1987 just little things he does that with pop culture as well like the, the, the amount of pop culture sort of Absolutely. references embedded in it and I think that that it's sometimes you know when you when you have a 
a film or a TV show or anything that's set in a particular historical period, particularly one that's nostalgic, and you could say this for things mm. like Stranger Things, it, you know, mm. a lot of sort of big pieces of pop culture of late, they use other pop culture as, as, a, stuff, as yeah. Captain Marvel, mm. another yeah, one, they use so those as markers for us to be like, oh, it's whatever this, year. This period of time, yeah. But I feel like Jordan Peele does that but in a way that's actually then quite subtle. So there are a yeah. couple of references that crop up to things that are allusions to the Goonies, which mm. you've obviously got the uh, live down here. Mm. You've got that yeah, kind yeah, of reference. Yeah. Yeah. The use of Michael Jackson and Yeah, thriller. so much Michael Jackson and like the gloves and all of that sort of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, there's some videos that are at the beginning um, when you see young Adelaide watching on the screen. There's some mm. films there which have similar above world, underworld, doppelganger pairings. Mm. Um, you know, things like Black Flag t-shirts, for example. Like mm. that's a very specific cultural reference for that time because they were a popular band but then actually what I then read later was well if you think about Black Flag logo the Mm. the four bars Mm. that's doubles oh yeah stuff like that you know so there's all this stuff going on Um, my favourite of those kind of nods to that particular time frame is that it's so it's set in um, Santa Cruz yes the boardwalk with Santa Cruz was uh, used as the location for Santa Carla for Lost Boys and there's it was and I don't think I necessarily picked up on this when I saw it but Adelaide's mother says when they're walking along the boardwalk oh they're making a film over there like oh that's so good um, Carousel's clothes I think because they're They're making a film and and that's amazing an allusion to the fact that they would have been filming Lost Boys at the time Um, so there's loads of little clever Mm. things going on Mm. like that and um, I can completely understand why someone might not necessarily enjoy that and think that it's too clever for its own good mm-hmm. um but i i just like the way that this kind of you get the story you get the experience of seeing the film but there is a lot to interrogate mm-hmm. there and while mm-hmm. i don't necessarily think that off the bat i enjoyed it as much as get mm-hmm. out i did like like it was really creepy and yeah it was really, really unsettling probably a lot more than get out it reminded yeah me i of- think this is closer to a a horror film than it feels Get a lot Out more horror-y, even doesn't was. It? it does. It feels like it's very much within the horror genre. Particularly when it's more. things like Home Invasion. Like there are parts of it that remind me of like funny games mm. and and things strangers like that. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think Jordan Peele manages to do a really good job of making it an enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. But then there is this sort of like underlying kind of message within it about what it actually means. And yeah, what it says yeah. about us as a society, mm-hmm. and you could kind of think about how the tethered are like the ignored parts of society and that could mean anyone so obviously yeah which ties in with the hands across america stuff as well yeah absolutely so you've got homelessness but then that could be about people being incarcerated Mm. that could be about minority groups that are considered like less important than um you know the white majority so i think there's lots to unpack there Mm. Mm. um what did you think i i did like it i'm sort of a little bit torn in that I think I had very high expectations I think that's the problem isn't and it? I was very excited um and it sort of generally probably didn't quite live up to that um which is a shame I think there's stuff in it that works really really great and I think there are a couple of missteps that slightly ruined the fact that I think it could have been even I don't know if it would have been even you know I don't think if it could be even better than get out but like I think it could have even been an even bigger progression and and sort of, you know, the horror tropes and stuff I was I was really into. But there were a couple of things that I think just didn't work 
so well. What I, particular? Well, I because I've got things yeah. that, I've, that particularly stopped me in yeah. my tracks. I mean, I really like I really like that this whole use of allegory, which is very similar yeah. to Get Out, in you know, with Hands Across America, it's time and setting, it's use of like a dark doppelganger in the same way that you know Get Out was allegorical, and you were saying there's all kinds of commentary on sort of social inequality. The people have talked about the U.S. prison system, mm-hmm. you know duality and that idea that we all have a doppelganger and we all have a dark side of ourselves um is super super interesting and there's been sort of throughout history like when i was studying sort of european gothic there were loads of like really great stories and novels about dark doppelgangers and things like that and i really love that i really liked those early scenes with young adelaide on the santa cruz boardwalk they were terrifying The, the doppelganger itself and their movements was just like so creepy i thought there were a couple of really good twists like the fact that i I assumed it was going to be a home invasion and it was just that family and then it kind of broadened out and it was actually like you don't realize you don't know how far this whole this whole conspiracy is going which was great and the ending of course was a big twist which was um i thought really worked and sort of leaving the the question open as to how much Adelaide remembered um and those scenes with Adelaide going underground when she comes down the escalator are just so good like the look and the feel of this film is so amazing Lupita is like the standout performance she's so physical and so emotional the way that she switches between she can be like wide-eyed and scared can't she yeah and then just just the comparison between her performances as Adelaide Mm -hmm. as this woman that's her family's being terrorised mm. and they're not really sure what's going on mm. and she's been so apprehensive about going to this beach anyway mm. and then it escalates from there and then this performance is red like they're so they're so it's yeah, amazing it's like it is like night and day isn't it yeah. it's like amazing how she did that and she just it was really like a performance she is given that is just like stands out above everything else she's already done and I like I think we both love her anyway Um, and you know the whole point in this film the reason it's so creepy is because it's so uncanny and that's why get outworked as well like it's just uncanny and creepy and the, that's why the doppelgangers are so effective yeah. and the allegory is great what is it with all the fucking exposition in this though i just i'm so glad that you mentioned that because those the, two scenes in which like within five minutes of having the doppelgangers she kind of says like we are americans and i feel like she's already explained so, something that we don't I would be really interested to know if that was in like the the first one mm. where they they first invade the house. I feel yeah. like that was one hundred percent in the script yeah. off the bat. My yeah. my thought on yeah. the one at the end where they're in the classroom underground <gasps> and Adelaide and Red are in there. That bit I did and Red not is explaining like. to her basically the entire the entire story. Of film. Yeah, um, that for me, I wondered whether that was inserted in after maybe initial yeah. test screenings where and they were like people, people don't get it people don't get it because that for me like i'd really really enjoyed mm. it up to that point and then it just felt a little bit like why are you explaining to me the plot of this film which that i already know which isn't that complicated no. like, i felt like jordan peele had done a really good job mm. with explaining the because it could get it could get quite complicated yeah. this up and down you know above ground yeah. below ground but I think it inferred everything. Yeah, it was all inferred in the way that Get Out was pretty much yeah. inferred. Like I think for mo- it's not giving audiences enough credit that like n- I think ninety percent of audiences would understand what was being alluded yeah. to here, and those ideas of prison system and inequality and having like everyone having a dark side of themselves. You know, in America in particular, where it's set, and you know. 
we could all infer that doppelgangers carry like an inherent like allegorical meaning anyway it, it seems to tread this line between treating the audience with the belief that they have the intelligence to understand to unpick all of this and know what's going on but then also undercut it with like oh maybe actually you don't get it i'm going to tell you what it is right and also uh, it was, it was so, really jarring it was i found it super jarring that really disappointed me because i was like jordan peele is better than yeah this. so i like, think that maybe was added yeah in. it would make sense because it's like he why would you need to explain this you do not need to explain this it's just doesn't need to be done and also i felt that by over explaining it it actually made less sense like some of it i was going like i could almost have this idea of an unexplained encounter with your own self like in your house i almost don't even need a backstory it felt like Like, the idea of the the bunnies are there because they need to eat them and blah 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 and i actually probably didn't even need all this explanation about government clones and testing it felt like a lot of the exposition just then proceeded to like unpick all the work that had been done to that point like Mm. the thing with the rabbits for example is like well i think we tom and i talked about it when we got home and i was like well rabbits reproduce at such a rapid rate so like if you were going to pick an animal to have with you Mm -hmm. in a in an underground bunker Mm -hmm. then a rabbit would make sense because Mm -hmm. they reproduce so rapidly but i don't need to and like animal testing animal cloning all of that i don't need to be told i don't need to be told and it just it, it was so jarring and that really bummed me out because I was like, you've literally done the one thing that you shouldn't do. There's the surface level of what it means and there's everything else. Yeah. You don't explain everything else. No. Like, we know what it is. Yeah. And it just spoiled it for me. Like, that really bummed me out. And then I kept fixating on that afterwards. And yeah, that definitely. was kind of one of the things that really bummed me out. And one of those Ringer articles, Adam Naiman said in it, the best horror movies impart a sense of reality shedding its skin to reveal what lies beneath. With us, it's as if Peel is determined to keep adding layers instead of stripping them away. Yeah. And there was that, like, there was a lot of over-explanation and then there was a lot of, like, adding more and more, like, it's a government, you know, it's government testing and they're creating clones in order to do this and hands across America. But And it was, yeah, there was, like, a bit it. too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that kind of bummed me out quite a lot. And I just worried afterwards that Jordan Peele was, like, easily one of the most exciting filmmakers out there. And I just worried he was trying to do a bit too much with this. And it does make sense that maybe, as you say, that that moment with Red in particular, like, in in the underground was something that was tacked on later because mm. they thought it didn't do enough to kind of explain itself. There's and something I kind of hope for... Because I feel like Jordan Peele knows better than that. Yeah, if the, there's, there was something about the way that it was filmed as well. It looked very odd. Yeah. Like, the positioning of it, I don't know, it just felt like a bit... Like, it was really jarring, wasn't yeah. it? That whole bit just kind of... Sp- sport what I thought was a real like was a really strong film and I think that's the bit that people were struggling with quite a lot and I mean generally I did really enjoy it but I just I just think that's spoiled what could have been a really great film yeah definitely but I'd be interested to what see what other people think as well so a couple of other things that we've been enjoying recently um we're not going to give full reviews of any of them and we're you know some of them we're gonna i'm sure we'll save and talk about at a later date when we do our kind of midway through the year recaps but we thought we'd just touch quickly on what we've been enjoying and um, what have you what have you been sort of 
binging on and enjoying the past few weeks? Um, Broad City finished. Oh God, yes, the season end of Broad five. City. Um, I made me very sad because I, I love Abby and Alana so much. I but... felt quite sick going into that final episode. Oh, but I felt that this final season, season five, mm. was very good. It was a very strong season. Every episode, I very much enjoyed. You know, right off the bat, they started with the Instagram stories episode, mm. and then oh, oh my oh, God, that was such a good episode. So wasn't good, it? wasn't I it? About that. And then as it progresses, spoiler warning. Um, Abby decides that she's going to move to Boulder, Colorado to pursue an art fellowship. Alana gets on to accept it onto her MA program at Hunter College. And there's this kind of idea that actually these two people who we've obviously known for five seasons mm. as being very close and very codependent and whose lives intertwine so much. So codependent. Actually, so codependent. Yeah. And actually, you know, there is a they have reached a fork in the road with regards to their mm. lives. And it's this kind of battle between like, I love my friend. I, I want to do this forever. Yeah. I want to do this forever. But actually the thing I need mm. to do is not in New York and I yeah. just felt they handled it so well they did it was um, it was the right ending as well it was the right ending I don't know I think I'd been really apprehensive knowing that it was the end that season mm-hmm. five was the final season about mm-hmm. how they would go about rounding it up but I thought they did a really good job they and, did um, I thought so as well really enjoyed the season it was nice to spend like uh, 20 minute episodes man I, I feel like we've had some nice endings like Kimmy Schmidt was quite a nice yeah. ending and the, the end of this has been you know end of an era and they did it really well um, Another thing that ended as well, which we did talk about last episode, was uh, Fleabag. Oh my god, the ending of Fleabag, which we were all waiting for. So um, I think we talked about it when we'd seen six episodes, so yeah. they were like the last two. Yeah, we had the final two, and I watched the final, final episode when I was... I got ill again. Shock, horror. I, I don't know where all of this is coming from. I And I had a really bad earache for like five days, and I'd got to the point one night where my earache had gone, and I thought, before I go to bed, I'm going to watch Fleabag. And then I cried so much that my earache came back, and I was quite distressed. It was such um, a good ending. I thought it was a lovely ending. Really I good ending. I was really worried that they were going to give it this happy ever after ending. Everything's perfect and everything worked out for her and she learned her lesson with everything. And, and I'm so glad that they actually He didn't. abandoned God. Yeah, and, I'm yeah. so glad that they didn't round it up and put a nice little bow mm-hmm. on it. I like that it was kind of actually like life is a bit yeah. shit sometimes. Because yeah. that felt for me very in line with the actual narrative of the yeah, series. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah. And like, I'd have been annoyed if it ended up being really positive. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I think so. I think this was the right ending for it to have. I also found it quite interesting that last episode we were discussing that kind of emerging conversation around like, do we need more posh white girls on TV? And then that's been such a heavy conversation in the past mm. like couple of weeks since the ending of Fleabag. Yeah. It's kind of emerged as a really big sort of argument. Um, and, you know, I think most people basically cannot deny that Fleabag was a really great bit of yeah. television like even the skeptics to begin with so yeah, that was yeah really really excellent I'm quite glad that it's not coming back for another season yeah though. I think again it's a it's a show that knows to end when it it knows what its expiration period does, is it does it does and I've also managed to catch up with season one of Barry and also started oh, season two of Barry uh, there's a really good Bill Hayden New Yorker profile which sort of coincided with the launch of season two which is definitely worth exploring excellent. and also um, watched Pose as well oh yes you've got I watched the first episode of Pose and then I haven't caught up yet I do intend to we'll probably, maybe we'll talk about it in future I've only got two episodes left at this point so I would like to catch up so we can talk about it properly um, have you been watching anything else so I watched Queer Eye finally binged watched it that was lovely, obviously. Was good, yes, it was all very lovely and wholesome and uplifting, as it always is. Uh, I watched season two of Sabrina in like 
two days. Oh, you did, didn't um, you? I, can't, I think that was when I was ill as well. Just binge watched it. And it if was anything, a lot of fun. that's probably been a good thing to cut up being ill is that you managed to binge watch all these things. Oh my God, I got to catch up on that. I caught up on Riverdale because I was like six episodes behind after everything that happened. Um, so that's been good fun. I love Sabrina. It's so much fun. I just love it. I also watched, I saw Pet Cemetery at the cinema, which I'm probably never going to cover properly because it was disappointing. <laughs> and sort of started off well but it didn't really it didn't it was just too too tropey for me too many too many creepy children drawing scary pictures for their parents to rifle through that sort of thing can't be dealing with that and I also started watching and I think we'll probably discuss this at a future point because this isn't actually out in the UK yet but I've been watching Twilight Zone another Jordan Peele um so Jordan Peele's sort of reimagining of the classic TV show and I've watched three episodes so far including Nightmare at 20,000 Feet with Adam Scott which made me feel not one bit better about flying at all but was really because I remember the original of that that episode because there is an episode Nightmare at 20,000 Feet in the original Twilight Zone and it was actually very different I thought it was going to be a complete remake and it wasn't so I'm really enjoying that so far and it's it's kind of helped me with this slight the the slight sort of flat feeling I felt after us where I was a bit disappointed with Mm -hmm. all the whatever we just covered um I think this is really really good so far so I really look forward to covering that music wise just before we go on to our main topic i have and i'm sure you have as well uh we had we had beyonce's homecoming which came out during coachella i think that's so funny that they did that oh they timed that didn't they scathing just in case just in case you're stoked on this year's coachella remember what happened last year guys um we had the live recording of beyonce's uh iconic 40 40 track coachella set um and they also released the documentary on netflix which i'm never gonna get around to watching i haven't watched it yet i really want to but it's too hours i know i would like to in the way that i wanted to watch the the set on live stream when it happened but um but that record is it's so good and it's like it's just really exhilarating to listen to because it's just so clever it's amazing so sometimes i feel like i take beyonce for granted as being like an just a great artist i'm just like well yeah everyone loves beyonce fine whatever and i don't really think about it and then stuff like this happens and i listen and i remember like how actually how amazing she is yeah I totally take that for granted sometimes. Like, I almost get bored about talking about great really Beyonce. We don't really deserve her, to be honest. No, we don't. And she really is, like, for anyone. Wesley, who is, you know, like, oh, she's a bit overhyped or whatever. She's really not. She's the 100%. reason everyone goes on about how good she it's is because she's is great. because she's that great. So I think you all just need to fucking deal with it. And also I had been listening prior, well, before that kind of came out, I was listening to the Taylor Parks record quite a lot. We know, we need to talk. Taylor Parks is not someone that I really know of apart from she's co-written a bunch of music and she worked... I think she did Seven Rings with Ariana Grande recently. Um, I thought that was quite a nice summer record. And I thought that would be, you know, like, oh, this is my nice record to carry me into summer. And then Lizzo's record came along, which is even... Oh, it's just so good. So Cuz I Love You came out only a few days... Oh, 19th of April. So literally like four days ago, released through Nice Life and Atlantic Records. We've had Juice already this year. And we had Cuz I Love You and Tempo with Missy Elliott a bit earlier in the year as well. This is just easily going to be one of my records of the summer because it's just it's such summer vibes it is you get singing and rapping and flute playing and it's super empowering in the way that you just would absolutely expect a Lizzo record to be and I'm just re- 
really, really pleased that it's as strong as it is. Um, what music have you been listening to? Um, a quick rush through everything. The Orville Peck record pony. Oh, yes. Oh, God, it's just gay cowboy. Do you know what? I've tried. It's fine if you don't like it. No, fine. I'm not in any... I think musically it's really good. I can't quite get on with his voice. Okay. But I think that's probably like a... I think that's going to be a Marmite thing where it's some like, people are just going to absolutely love his voice less, and some people are not going to get it. Less annoying Morrissey, bit Krista Burry, very Royal Bassini. Bought it for my mum. She fucking loves it. Yeah, so. when you, when I saw that, I was like, that is a Suze record as well. I can it's see she'd so be good. into that. Um, his entire aesthetic is just very, very good. It's a very good aesthetic, to be fair. Um, the new Jenny Lewis record on the line is very, think, very good. I think um, you mentioned that. You mentioned that I can't remember if I did or not, but I'm mentioning it again because I love her so much. Good. I also saw The National. This oh, yes, week. of course. Oh, mm-hmm. Big, big deal. Big, big deal. deal. Um, I managed to get tickets to go and see the National play their entire new album in full with um, a Q&A with them and director Mike Mills and a screening of the film they did with Mike Mills and it was very Was it a long evening then? Or was uh, it... Well, I guess if they didn't have three supports. Hours. Okay. It was no supports. It was just a, It was just amazing. Like, I don't need to wax more about how much I love the National, but... The I'm very glad it happened from, for you. Uh, fucking and you got better then. seats. Oh, God, I did and it was just an entire dream. Good. That was a nice thing we did. We also saw saw uh, Grief is a Thing with Feathers. Yes, we did, which... Um, Killian took his top off. I cannot believe. Of all the things that I thought I would get to see Killian take his top off in, it was not it wasn't this. wasn't that, was it? It was not this production, April. It was not. Good it Lord. came out of nowhere. It's little tiny. But a really, like a really, really strong imagining of that. A book that is so, I would imagine, would be so fucking hard to adapt. Yeah. And A, they did it uh-huh, by the book, no pun intended. Like it was so closely, yeah. but it was just so well done. I reread it, so I finished Lanny, and then I reread it, um, Griffith's Thing with Feathers ahead of us going to see it because it had been a couple of years since I'd first read it and I was the second time I read it I think I enjoyed it more than the first time mm. despite how much I loved it then and then the, but the entire time I was thinking like I don't know how they're going to pull this off because it's just yeah but it was amazing it, it, yeah it was really really I'm, amazing I'm so pleased that we had the opportunity to go and see that because yeah. it was just one of the most overwhelming like theatre experiences that's the thing I kept saying like I said to Peggy afterwards I just found the whole thing very overwhelming and it's it really yeah, so intense like it in a way that I didn't quite get in the same way in the book as in you know sometimes with reading especially I'm guilty of this I can be guilty of reading things too quickly I didn't fully take on board how it portrayed like that overwhelming sense of grief there are passages that when they when they're performed on the stage that I'd loved on paper Mm. in the book but seeing them actually Mm. brought to life you know Mm. Killian perform it just blew my fucking mind there are just a couple of them in particular that I just just was like it felt like a punch in the chest yeah it's actually, really oppressive actually because actually there was like there's one thing reading something about that particular topic about grief about mm. sadness on the page and being able to kind of relate to it and then actually seeing someone say it and act yeah. as a person that's going through yeah. it it was a lot it I was think real... it's tapping into that idea as well of like grief being this thing that is just always there hanging around yeah. in the background and you can be in the middle of doing something and just suddenly this huge oppressive force just invades like just completely cloaks you and just ruins everything and completely overwhelms you in a way you know it was a sensory overload like it overloaded your eyes and your ears and everything in a way that yeah I think was just super effective it was just yeah it was really brilliant and I think again it's one of those classic like I don't know if enjoy is the word for it but I enjoyed the experience Mm. of it very very much Um, and I hope other people I hope other people who saw it enjoyed it um and yeah i just hope 
it's going to New York next, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, so if you if you do happen to have the opportunity to go and see it, then I definitely would recommend it. It was so good. It, really, really good. It was really, really, really worth it. Um, okay, so a few months ago now, what is it? It's April now, isn't it? In February, um, I flagrantly posted something on the internet. Not really flagrantly. Really. Just on twitter.com voicing my opinions. So, so I posted this tweet and it, the responses to it were really interesting and it felt like it resonated with quite a few people. Um, one of whom is here with us today. We have a guest on the <laughs> podcast. A new guest. New guest. Exciting. How exciting. So the tweet in question was, a thing I keep thinking about and I'm baffled by is the male-male, very male assumption that a woman's enjoyment in a piece of media, particularly film and television, directly correlates to how attractive they find one of the cast and if it does so what this is something that comes up a lot with our podcast yeah absolutely it's something that we obviously talk about on the pod often and then off pod off mic um in our general daily lives um just how we're often quite baffled by people's responses to kind of outward i don't know displays of being very interested in something particularly yeah i think there's always an assumption there or there's quite a male assumption there that yeah our ar level of engagement with certain types of kind of media is very just superficial mm. and I guess it yeah we've discussed before very much the kind of the idea of fangirling and the idea of you know liking particular thing particular things especially in pop culture is very you know very female and very like quite young quite infantile all of those sorts of things I think are quite tied up in mm. it and it's a discussion we do regularly have on and off pod and I think we've both kind of tweeted about it quite a lot mm. and Tori came in very usefully <laughs> because it is something that she is I would say more of an expert on than we are so um it's really yeah really really useful to have you here hello oh, thanks hi <laughs> <laughs> so tell us firstly a little bit about you and sort of your background and what mm. you do Okay, so I am a lecturer at the UEA, mm-hmm. and I've been doing that for a while. Before that, I was doing my PhD, and the PhD is really where this kind of, you call me an expert, but really, yeah. I think everyone's an expert in this, because mm-hmm. it's literally fan cultures. <laughs> yeah. Um, You've just formalised But I've it. got the theories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the other people's theories yeah. that I've made into my own. Um, and so I was looking at teenagers mm-hmm. and how gender is reproduced in youth. I was really interested in why we still, despite like quite progressive times, mm-hmm. um, like youth is still very much split down the binary yeah. and there's quite a lot of like policing of gendered behaviours. Yeah. And so what I did was I went into schools and I did some ethnographies and then I did some interviews and I did some focus groups. Um, and I found that like there's this real kind of devaluation of the feminine yeah and that was really what kind of, when you tweeted about that I was just like yes <laughs> like I've yeah. literally got like whole chapters on that so what I've been doing for the last few years is trying to make sense of how gender is reproduced in taste cultures yeah yeah so like I think it, it shifts and it gets different when you're out of school. Yeah. But one of the things that I was that I write about in the book is how high school is kind of like a hyper-regulatory space. Yeah. 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 Particularly when you're in sets and you're in form groups and you, yeah. you're kind of routinely in the same yeah. kind of space with the same people. Mm-hmm. And so everything becomes really kind of micro-policed. Mm. And yeah. like mm. all of those little things can culminate into quite problematic. Like, mm. So particularly for boys, mm. like, like there's this um, theorist called Irvin Goffman and, and he mm. talks about he did this in the 1950s and this he's kind of the theorist that really got me into sociology and sociological thinking because oh, yeah. okay. cool. he wrote and because I was a bit of a fangirl of J.D. Salinger when I was like a teenager yeah. Yeah. 
because he was writing in the 50s, there was something really similar to his mm. writing style. Mm. Uh-huh. And he writes about performances of the self. And he was talking about how, and he was using kind of quite sort of um, Holden Caulfield-esque like kind of um, examples yeah. of like, you know, if you're like working in, as a waitress or whatever, and you have like the onstage and the backstage self. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. how you perform different versions yeah, of yourself sure. in different yeah. spaces. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God, that's really interesting. And so I was thinking about how in high schools, you're kind of on display, like, and yeah. it's super, like, it is, yeah. hyper-regulated. So um, I kind of wanted to think about how kids and young people police each other mm-hmm. in those kind of spaces. And I think it is getting better. Mm. But one of the things that I really wanted to stress in the book is that, like, it's getting better, but it's still it's not great. It's definitely still there. Yeah. Like, so you went in and found that all of these things that... I mean, I, I mean, one of the things I was going to say is that I remember when I was younger, like, this very much being a thing at school. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, like, myself, I would worry about my interests a lot more. I would brand things a lot more as a guilty pleasure when yeah. I was younger. And then when I've got older, I've kind of gone... I don't... Like, nothing's a guilty pleasure. Like, I like what I like. Nothing has sort of good you know it's not good taste or bad taste and it was I always wonder whether that was just age or whether you know things are getting better but I think it is yeah probably I think it's a little bit bit generational but Mm. I still think it takes quite a lot of energy to have to like preempt those Mm. kind of things Mm. like Mm. so you're like oh yeah but this is a guilty pleasure and then that does something political as well um so I and you surround yourself with people so you have more choice in who you can surround yourself with yeah so you don't have to kind of set the scene each time you're like in the room and at school you're so you're you're set you know you've got these classes and these sets as you say but you are pretty much with a bunch of people and even if they're your you know your friends that you've been friends with for years a lot of the time the main thing you have in common is the fact that you're just there together like Mm -hmm. you might not be brought together based on your mutual tastes or your mutual you know it's pretty much circumstance that you're all together so I can imagine that you spend more time trying to kind of yeah you're you're policing each other and like I guess it's just more breeds more judgment doesn't it yeah Um, yeah and I think one of the ways that I found you know boys and girls do that quite differently mm -hmm. so some of the boys they were talking about like the boys would always reject femininity Mm -hmm. like I think this was in this kind of pursuit of um what they call hegemonic masculinity Mm -hmm. but this kind of hierarchy of masculinity yes now there are some boys obviously who don't Mm -hmm. but then what I've sort of talked about in the book is like how they've what they've really done is actually just taken themselves out of the game yeah so they're they're completely separate but the boys that are inside this kind of pursuit for kind of like um I don't know I don't know what you call it like a status I guess Mm, yeah they would talk about how they might have a few select friends that they would go to and like be honest with yeah I've got there's a quote in there that's like I've got those mates that I'm honest with and then I've got the mate then I've just got the class yeah and so uh that's one of the things I was thinking about whereas with girls there is this kind of more supportive communicative space yeah. where, where where you you know these girls can talk and be honest but I, I kind of talk about that as being like a, a double-edged sword because yeah. that's only really because girls are they can't be in that race with the boys. Mm. Like under patriarchy, mm. they're always going to be secondary. Yeah. So they have that freedom. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think that that's makes what. Sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's what allows us as women as well to kind of be able to like have the well. What what allows us to have these guilty pleasures, but then what also ultimately ultimately makes it denigrated. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we're like always having to defend our you know particular ways of liking things, yeah. or whatever ways that like. I would say have been, you know, encultured into. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's really, yeah, that's really interesting, especially with our podcast, because 
I think we've both found that we started doing this podcast, A, because we love discussing, you know, pop culture and these mm-hmm. things between ourselves anyway. But also I've found that people, particularly kind of male listeners, have said to me like, wow, you're really outspoken mm-hmm. or, wow, you're very, you know, you're very truthful about the things you enjoy and the things people you thirst after and things like that. And there's almost like a surprise that we're so kind of the, honest and outward. And it's yeah. not surprising to me. No, and it's not it, surprising to the people we socialise with because no, these are the conversations is, um, we're always having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a very gendered response a lot of the time, which I have found very interesting. It wasn't necessarily something I think I'd anticipated going into when we first started doing this. But like you said, we just started doing it because we were having these discussions anyway. So we decided that, oh, actually, like, we'll just start doing it on mic as well. Yeah. But the, so the response to it has been very interested in the sense that, like, women listeners, you know, people that we know have given us feedback have sort of just been like, oh, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Because but, it sounds exactly like the conversations yeah. I'm having with my friends anyway. But the response from kind of like from male listeners has has been very much like oh okay wow it's so refreshing <laughs> yeah, to hear that you're like, so outwardly and I wouldn't say we are out like no, in any I, context I wouldn't say we're particularly opinionated about big topics but I also would say when I've had people say like wow you're really out there with you know when you when you did that like Avengers ranking mm-hmm. of sort of attractive people for whatever reason you know that was really out there and it's like I didn't actually say anything on that pro- <laughs> like that episode that was particularly mm. like when when we talk about fancying so and so, I don't think either of us have particularly said like. It's wow, not this like person. it gets particularly. It's anything sorted. derogatory. Like. No, I mean, I um, I think I'd said to you when I was working my way through um watching Big Mouth on Netflix. There's the episode where the two characters suddenly have the realization that like girls are horny too. Yeah, and then like absolutely blows their <laughs> mind. And I think I sent you the screen cap of it, and I was like, wow, that's just our podcast in a nutshell. It's like male listeners, because obviously we work, we come into this pitching it at absolutely not no particular demo. Yeah. Well, no. it's just you know whoever wants to listen yeah, to it yeah. can it's not like we, it's been pushed in any direction yeah. but yeah that episode of Big Mouth I was like wow that is the revelation they're like oh yeah women do have particular mm. you know feelings and enthusiasms about things yeah it's not necessarily just like from a kind of oh I like that film because that person's pretty hot but it's yeah. just like across the board I think it's not it's not necessarily been our um like romantic mm. attractions mm. to a person but it's yeah. just our general enthusiasms for something and that has been very interesting it has been interesting do you think sort of generally would you say that traditionally pop culture consumption especially as an adult is kind of regarded as a more kind of feminine act like yeah well I think that probably stems from teenage years as yeah, well like yeah. pop bands because one of the so mm. I'm going to sound like I'm doing a press tour I'm not I know it's too expensive to buy really useful that's why we had you but on, I was thinking um, but I was thinking about how the ways in which in our teenage years we we read into particular tastes mm-hmm. and uh, particular um, taste articulations. So one of the things I can't remember when I give talks on this, like academic talks, I talk about um, that band Yumi at Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe they're mentioned in there. If they're yeah. not, then someone similar to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so old. That, that kind of band. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. You know, like they would have been the used for yeah. kids or whatever. Exactly. Um, so. And they talk about how girl, how when boys listen to it, they're like, oh yeah, like they really like the mastery of the musical instruments. Yeah. And like how good they all. And it's like girls just must fancy like yeah, the singer. people. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the only reason that yeah. like and and I think that, I mean that's not a popular culture kind of um, example. But if you think about it, like I think that that, that kind of um, way of seeing particular taste cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the popular is always denigrated anyway. Yeah. yeah. So you think about pop music. Well, then you know you don't 
certainly not when I was younger I know it's shifting now because of like the sort of my my space generation mm. where like you've got the Ed Sheeran's who are slightly different but mm. but how you know popular music in particular wasn't always it was foregrounding the singing yeah and that part of it um and then the, mu- the musicality behind it kind of gets lost so then yeah. boys can't really unless they display some kind of heterosexual longing like oh she's well fit yeah um they can't really read into it in any particular yeah. way yeah yeah and so, and particularly, one of the things that I found in this uh, was there was, so I gave all these young people, like, um, I call them identity pages, mm. where, um, so I, I interviewed, like, 100 young people, and I got them to create these kind of MySpace style, oh, uh, cool. or Facebook type things, where they write down things that they like and just oh, cool. like, okay. and I create a little avatar in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then that I sounds t- like the dream. I love stuff like that. <laughs> and so, just say, I'm not very good at it, like technology. Like I had two, yeah. two very talented people, Abby and Joe, did it like for me. But then I took out the central avatar and I got them to guess what gender they thought someone mm. was. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of my main method. But there was some somebody had written like oh, God, I don't think I've got it in here, but like someone had written something like Eliza Doolittle. Was she a singer at one point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like um, Jessie J and Florence yeah. the Machine. And the people in the room were like, well, it can't be, that can't be a boy because yeah. those are the sort of girls that girls listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, Florence the Machine, especially like boys don't fancy Florence. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like she's, she's, you know, she's, she's not positioned. No, yeah, she's too like way. kind of hard, yeah. like in yeah. some kind of ways, yeah. like kind of yeah. angular and also yeah. vocally. So, and I think those things kind of travel, yeah. like, and so popular, if it's a denigrated kind of thing, if it's mm-hmm. a thing that people think is a bit sort of superficial and fluffy, mm-hmm. then it's like, well, that must be for girls. Mm-hmm. And I think the overarching thing that I'm really kind of interested in, and I, and the reason that I think that this is important is because it's all to do with the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like kind of normative patriarchal ways of positioning particular people with more power and, mm-hmm. and without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that happens with, with, you know, popular culture, but also... I think it explains why podcasts like this one, mm. but also, you know, from other minority groups mm. yeah. are really like getting popular, mm. yeah. you know, and people like to listen to them because it's a different way yeah. than the ways in which like mass culture and mass mm. media have positioned mm. things for mm. us. It's like, oh, there are, there is someone like me out there, yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. And you, you're yeah. hearing like your own kind of subjectivity or your own position. You might not agree with everything, but you're like, you feel like your voice is out being, there amongst yeah. all of the other voices yeah I think that's really important it, it seems funny and like sort of related to that that pop culture yeah in my mind traditionally is i think it's regarded as quite a, a female interest mm-hmm. um and also quite a young interest mm-hmm. so you know to be an adult and to be you know not just like enjoy films passively but to be like really involved in yeah. discussing films or discussing music or discussing pop music yeah. in particular is very you know like quite you know young young girls do that that's not something to take seriously so it's quite a sort of seen as kind of low culture as you were saying like it's not pop pop culture isn't seen as kind of a high culture thing but it seems funny to me that the stuff that is very female orientated is also made by the majority of like men so like you know films that we're really into that are still mainly men behind the head and it's still men the majority of the time making these things for women to apparently consume well that was is... what was really interesting in the was that our last episode when we mm. were talking about films with sort of female female mm. characters and then when i was trying to think of like what we were classed as like female heroes because mm. it was inspired by having seen captain marvel mm. and you know obviously the success of that and i think i text you in advance of that and i was just like i'm just trying to think of like films like some There's of my so most few films so some of my favorite lead, films like female and leads, they're yeah. all like either directed by men mm-hmm. or the, the leads are 
male and that's not necessarily been a conscious choice by me but it's Mm. just naturally one of those things that like you know that's where my interests have sort of fallen Mm. and I feel like now the older I've gotten the more conscious I am about seeking out things that have just have a different perspective and I do think that that's perhaps when I sort of work with young people and I speak to young people mm-hmm. now through through work, it's really interesting to see the changes already that sort of like 13, 14, 15-year-olds have in terms of what they are seeking out culturally mm-hmm. in contrast to like when I was their age yeah. where I wasn't necessarily having those proactive thoughts yeah. and things like that. And that, that's just sort of, I don't know, that was just quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you find in your research then that you were saying that sort of young girls have a broader, the girls that you spoke to, did they have a broader taste than boys so boys boys were more concerned about what you know the taste that they the, have the right thing to yeah, like. yeah exactly yeah. was that much more that was still like very much a thing in school with yeah know, I think one of the to. things that I found really quite depressing was that was this overwhelming devaluation of the feminine mm-hmm. yeah so like it wasn't just boys that were rejecting feminine subjectivities and mm-hmm. feminine sort of texts mm-hmm. girls were as girls well were. oh interesting yeah. Okay. yeah um and so one of the things that I was thinking about was how you know and I think it's much more complicated and I'm currently I've spent about two years trying to write an article mm. just about the devaluation of the feminine and it's mm. one of the problems is that like what even is femininity like, yeah yeah, well, God, yeah it's a whole like, other minefield yeah though, really. <laughs> so um but Put to that to one yeah. side. So I had these identity pages, right? And if there was something that was really clearly masculine, yeah. then everyone would be in agreement that that was probably a boy. Mm-hmm. If it, there was something that they couldn't quite work out, if there was one identity page that was like, they might have something like, maybe not Chuck Norris, but like something mm. hyper-mass, or just like um, a, a like an action film, or okay. you know something mm-hmm. traditionally that we'd associate with boys like him, or you know rock music or whatever. Yeah. But also had some feminine things on it, so yeah. they might list quite a few celebrities that they like. That was something that girls were expected to do, yeah, or yeah. dislike the celebrity. as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, they'd be like, "This is probably a girl," because it doesn't make sense for a boy to like these oh, girly okay. things. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, so, like, it was kind of like there was the masculine one, yeah. which was for boys, and then there was everything else, which was mm-hmm. probably girls. Or there was one person that was like, "Or a gay boy," like it's yeah. a gay boy. Yeah. yeah. So and girls were allowed. So it's it's more accepted for girls to have. A slightly broader range of yeah, because I think they've got like, less to lose. They yeah. might as well just try out anything yeah. and see what yeah. sticks. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be punished in the same way. I no. Guess. And yeah, and again, I think this comes back to patriarchy because I think one of the reasons that, and I think because there's been a, there's been a new shift in theory that suggests that homophobia mm. isn't having quite the same impact on young people's lives as it was, mm-hmm. and I just think that that's fundamentally dangerous to be mm. saying. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found was like, well, it might not be like as physically harmful like in school. Although I think it still is in instances. Mm-hmm. But like these kind of mi- everyday microaggressions. Yeah. Like, you know, it's still not really okay to be gay. And I think that's that's something to do something to do with patriarchy. And I also think it's mm-hmm. to do with this, like, well, you're not achieving masculinity, therefore you're feminine. Yeah. Which, again, I think is doing some really, like, significant work in amplifying and kind of reproducing mm. this idea that men's culture and men's things are kind of what you should be striving for because mm. girls can like men's things mm-hmm. or masculine things yeah because they present as females so their bodily like that 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 bodily kind of mm. the role of the body in that really means that they are feminized like yeah. they're never going to be able to escape that so they're never really going to damage or threaten the patriarchy yeah yeah so they can like what they like like yeah. whatever and also i mean in terms of you bring in capitalism as well yeah let them like action films and all this yeah. stuff like yeah. they're going to spend money on it like yeah. so yeah so i did find that girls liked things much more broadly than boys and 
I said that that you know that's one of the pleasures of being young and female yeah. or just female yeah. in general yeah. but yeah. it comes at a cost it means that, that yeah. really you don't it doesn't really matter no <laughs> like, no one know, really cares yeah. what you you're not going to have any yes. power so do it <laughs> yeah. do what you like because no one cares yeah. but also you have that freedom but at a cost because yeah. you're yeah you're not positioned in any type of kind of yeah it's really interesting you're not going to be in a position it? of power which is I thought it was interesting recently in terms of thinking about the way that young people like a, a young male might punished I say loosely in his group for liking something that's quite female or mm-hmm. being very invested in I don't know maybe pop culture I thought it was interesting recently that thing with the guy who watched the Star Wars trailer who's like an adult Star Wars fan and he cried watching the trailer because he felt so excited moved, by yeah. it and moved by yeah. it and he's been absolutely brutalised across all of social media for being so invested in something and yeah. it was like you absolutely there was like loads of homophobia and then just loads of people saying like you're just an absolute loser for think, being invested well, yeah. and a woman wouldn't I don't think we <laughs> no, would no and I think it's the crying that's important because that's emotion yeah. so if you like, had a room well, full of like yeah. Star Wars figures in their boxes right yeah. you'd be like oh you're a bit of a nerd but yeah. like whatever like it yeah like, it's there was crying. a bunch of guys just like high-fiving each other being like wow this is so cool but it was the fact that he was so moved yeah that people were kind of like this absolute loser like how and he was just getting torn apart for being a grown-up who was that invested mm. in something that you is know that- and showing emotion towards something that's very you know I, I'm at, you know liking Star Wars is sort well, of objectively, quite masculine it's just like great right <laughs> yeah it's like Star Wars is great all men can love Star Wars but you're not supposed to cry over it like that's and I'm surprised just how many people reacted in that way again in 2019 like with the internet you think people wouldn't react in such a ridiculously extreme it's definitely way like you said I think it is definitely the act of the crying isn't it it's the very outward display of emotion about but something reacting in a very feminine way like yeah. a female way towards well, something like that's Beatles quite... hysteria or whatever yeah, like yeah. it goes all the way back to, to that like not having control of your body yeah like that, that excess that's always an assumption as well isn't it that whatever we like as women we're probably obsessed with it to mm-hmm. a disturbing degree yeah like we can't just enjoy things we must be kind of when we've discussed stuff on the podcast and I've had people say to me before like wouldn't want you in a room with Timothy Chalamet because god knows what you'd do it's like I'm not going to attack like yeah we can't just be like oh this is cool I like this it it, it turns into something that's more like fangirly like yeah. Beatles mania like I w- clearly I'd be completely obsessed and uh, like, I wouldn't be able to control myself yeah it's really I just, it's very very interesting in yeah. the sense that like I don't know if anyone would have that approach to someone say to go down the very gendered route but like if, if someone we know is in the same room as like their favourite footballer for example yeah. and they had a very yeah. kind of visceral reaction to seeing them would mm. the, the same judgments be put on them yeah. as it would be like if we were in the room with Harry Styles yeah. and we were just like you know <laughs> right. crying they would, what, what would the kind of reactions, the reactions people be? be I don't know when you did this research but uh-huh. was did Marvel come up at all because I find like Marvel in particular it might be veering away from your book a bit but I find Marvel in particular really interesting or well, those kind of superhero films really interesting because it feels a bit like on the internet that it's become more accepted for kind of men like that's an acceptable thing for men to Mm -hmm. like that's a very masculine thing and Mm -hmm. if men sort of react very fanatically towards it that's totally acceptable Mm -hmm. but like if yeah a if we do it then we're just doing it because we're doing it on a very superficial level but also it just i don't know it just marvel and that kind of whole universe of sort of superhero films and things like that feels like a very male dominated thing and it feels like something that men are kind of in particular allowed to be like really 
yeah I mean I think from like a if you think about like the history of things Mm. like comics and stuff like Mm -hmm. that I suppose it's also has often traditionally been Mm. quite like a male oriented or at least male pitched thing which is why I mean that's obviously been our our finding our experience of it has been that like the the way that and I've to be honest I have often found this about other things that I have an interest in so Star Wars you've already mentioned that's something that like across the board I've been like very much interested in since I was small just because I had older relatives Mm -hmm. that were like super into it and I was shown it but it is very interesting that to be a female fan of something versus a male fan of something like the way that people perceive your interest in it like Marvel is one one for us where we've had like oh well you can't actually like it and you probably don't understand the nuances of the universe yeah no absolutely (laughs) yeah that's definitely come up a few times Um, and you know I personally don't understand the nuances of the universe but I don't think anyone does because it's about a million it's so big also personally I'm not heavily invested so I've chosen not to be yeah. it's not because I'm so stupid that, that I can't understand, can't it. understand yeah. it it's because it's just not that interesting but to me but I think the assumption is yeah it's just like the you, presumption you wouldn't I, understand it yeah. the presumption I often find when and it comes to like being interested in something is that there's this underlying sentiment of like oh well you can't really like it mm-hmm. yeah. you can't that can't be the, you can't just like it because you like it because mm. You know, for, for like then this this goes for music as well. It's like oh, you can't really like that band though. There must be some other. You must. I mean, I I grew up going to punk and hardcore shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's and, a cla- yeah, that's a and classic, the thing isn't it? So often for me was like, oh well, you can't be at the show because you like this band. There Who must do you be, want to sleep with? Yeah, yeah. Which some, one do you fancy? Yeah. yeah, then there must be someone in. There must be a boy that you're trying to impress, or there must be someone in the room. Uh, yes, like, and this comes yeah. up as well. Yeah. Like when girls. So there was a girl in the room that really liked football. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so what is it like? Why, like, do you think... How do you think it is that we read girls that like masculine things like football? Yeah. Like, uh, well, some people will be like, oh, trying to get... Their, I think girls trying to get boys' attention. Yeah. Or they're trying to get Brilliant. on a level yeah. with boys. Yeah. Um, that they can't, like, really like Norwich City Football Club in the same way that a boy yeah. does. No. Because there must be some ulterior There's motive. There's a superficial, like, yeah, ulterior motive kind of going on, isn't Honest there? to God, like, I mean, I, mean, I think we've talked about the specificities of, like, the... Of music and subcultures before um but that was always the same was always yeah. the thing for me i i had um i had a lot of male friends and it, i didn't necessarily get this reaction from them but it was very much the presumption that i was at any show or going to the show or was traveling you get like, eyed hours. up by someone that yeah you it was because know. actually like oh well you must be there because you are trying to impress someone in the room not because you like really like it that you enjoy you know yeah but then you have found yourself having to over demonstrate your knowledge yeah and oh, so much you have to prove yourself yeah, yeah. it's like, like the last thing i it's the the level of exertion that i had to i remember putting in when i was like 16 17 to try and have to prove myself yeah and it becomes this really like it's just massively demoralizing yeah the presumption that like oh you you don't really like it you but only also like have to it. put in a lot of work to like yeah. over demonstrate yeah. it as well I can't just passively be in yeah you can't just kind of be into something you're there's like a pressure I feel like there's a pressure there that I need to know a certain amount in case someone likes challenge because it's having to prove yeah. yourself it's having yeah. to like oh well actually you know okay cool we've well, come to see this person like can you name all of their albums do yeah. you know like you know well, it's the, like, it's the burden record. of representation yeah. that lots of people in minority groups feel like yeah. well actually yeah. I'm not just representing myself now I'm re- representing everyone else yeah who yeah looks like exactly. you're like has this kind of i've got to prove a minority point. Yeah. yeah everyone i can't remember what show i was going to but i was queuing for a show in london and i had a tote bag and it was it's very not related to this podcast but i had a sisters of mercy tote bag so just like an 80s goth band that i'm really into and i had a person in the street come up to me and say to me like name one record from mm-hmm. sisters of mercy that isn't this 
like the big record that everyone knows he was like name one record because that's bullshit like there's no way you're into that so offensive and i was like and i didn't answer him because i was like i I was so shocked i was like i literally don't have to answer you and then it was like see like Name one record that isn't. And the I was thing like, is, hey, no, like, you know, when someone street? says to you, like, name your favourite band, and you're like, I can't think of anything, yeah. there are no like, words. My brain went blank. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was the irony being actually that he named a record that I would say is objectively their worst record. Right, so he yeah, was yeah. like, name one record that isn't this. And I was yeah. like, that record is trash. Like, that is the one I would not listen to. But I couldn't think of anything. Well, so I was like, like what those is Those t-shirts, right? Yeah. So my my first proper boyfriend, um, we, we went. To, he went to see Jesse James. Remember Jesse James? Yeah, the Scarlet. And the singer from Jesse James stopped and was like, You've got a Ramones t-shirt on, name a Ramones song. And it's just like, I mean, it's just like, and he just bought it from like Topshop or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And especially when you're younger as well, like you might not make the, I don't know, like, when you're younger, you're, you well, know, you well, you buy things like, like Sex Pistols yeah. t-shirts or whatever. Like the t-shirts all the time. Like yeah. I'm sure as an adult, you feel very protective over those things. But like, yeah, yeah the, the idea of having to prove yourself is just so patronising. It is, and it's definitely something that I've, you're, you know, you've researched a lot with kind of younger people. But that in particular, I found hasn't changed. No, being an adult. And I think, well, going back to the Marvel example, like mm. I think that's why you can really see so much vitriol in the the way in which the universe mm. has actually changed because mm. I never really liked Marvel until Ms. Marvel the comics mm. came out yeah. mm. I really liked that and then Squirrel Girl um, and so I've been reading the comics mm. but people are like you're like this these all these women are just like ruining Marvel can yeah can you believe in like 2019 that people were posting reviews ahead of Captain Marvel to try and trash it because there was a woman in it that is just unreal yeah and I but I think that's that says a lot about how things mm. this sense of sense of entitlement yeah. that that mm. particular men have over texts that they see as mm. being for them yeah so you know what that's why you'd be quizzed on it mm. like why you have to demonstrate so much more um, knowledge and expertise than mm. they would ever expect of them mate down the road or whatever yeah. it's because I just can't imagine ever you know ever having to witness I mean it, it probably it clearly probably does happen but having to w- witness the same level of like wanting someone to demonstrate their understanding of I don't care enough and like comparison I care about us. the things that I'm interested in a lot but I still don't care enough to get someone else to prove that they're into it no, no, I don't feel that, that sense of protectiveness at all. Well, yeah, and you see that with widening and like diversifying representation, mm-hmm. so you get more folks of colour, like mm-hmm. getting into things that are yeah. pre- predominantly white dominated, yeah. because that's where with the mass market has yeah. always been, yeah. you know, positioned. Yeah, and it's like, oh well, you only like it because x y and z yeah. demonstrate that like you know as much as a white person does yeah yeah this is where we are like yeah. and i think that's toxic masculinity as well yeah i think this is the sense that men have something to lose by everybody getting something yeah yeah and it's but like threatening it's not finite like. yeah. yeah this is literally not something that's just allowed yeah, yeah. particularly with tastes and interests like that there's no limit to that no. everyone can enjoy it the concern of the, the yeah what the impact would be of broadening the sort of reach of something like, why would you not want yeah. to diversify like the range of people that are enjoying something yeah. something's good surely you want everyone to be able to but it's like that you know i like them before they were famous or whatever oh, like, amazing i like the demo one. best yeah yeah, 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 yeah have yeah, you yeah. heard their back records yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like when i remember being a teenager and i'd be in like record shops or whatever and you'd be like even like sound clash which is yeah. you know, perfectly nice but it's mm. very small yeah and when you're in there as a young person you're like oh god like yeah. and you have to Everyone's you feel like you have me. to over demonstrate yeah. like you know want to pick up never mind you yeah. need to pick up something else i'll get like, up some, pick up something really niche yeah at the back of it just to make it seem like it's just the pressure there is just 
uh, it's just so silly, isn't it? And um, we put it on ourselves as well, though. I yeah. think this is the thing, like, we get a sense of, like, well, we're going to be treated like this, so we might as well police ourselves. Yeah. And then it, then I think that really, you know, leads us into going into adulthood as well. Because yeah. we don't, you don't lose that kind of self-cynicism and, like, kind yeah, of absolutely. concern over how people see you. Yeah. yeah. I could probably I, go into that record shop and the guy who owns the record shop doesn't give a shit. Like, he's yeah. a fully grown man who's got, like, daughters or something. doesn't care what you're doing at all, but you're walking around pretending to be because you think that's what you yeah. need to do. I do definitely think there is a lot to be said about whenever I feel like I'm outwardly going to be talking about something that I particularly like or go anywhere where I know that, you know, like, like a record store is such mm-hmm. a good example mm-hmm. for me because I do feel like I have to go in there, not necessarily the chip on my shoulder, but you're very much just like right I'm gonna go and do this and you know standing my ground yeah yeah there is this like such a presumption that someone is going to ask me about this thing so I have to go in there like armored up to kind of give like a yeah and screw it sometimes you just want to buy Beyonce on vinyl right like and that's fine and like he's making money he doesn't care you're making money well you're spending money you're getting about vinyl everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing in this scenario yeah yeah so why is it yeah but that's why I think that like we get to those positions where with fangirling especially you're like fuck it like I'm just doing it like yeah. I'm just performing I'm just aligning with it I'm just and I think that like while it comes out of this particular youth culture it's something that you see people of all ages and all genders mm-hmm. kind of performing yeah and I, there was one thing there was one anecdote that the um a young person in in one of the groups talked about she was saying oh my mum was a total fangirl at the airport and she talked about this time that her mum had spotted boy George like at an airport amazing. her mum had like run over like hunted him down she's yeah. like they follow each other on Twitter now like oh. but it was like this idea that like her mum had really embraced this kind of mm. fangirling moment yeah. and just performed it and let herself go and I think you do see that with some folks and maybe even like that you could say that was fangirling with the Star Wars person mm, like yeah. you know mm. getting so emotionally into it I yeah. mean I think like we've definitely found for example when we saw Harry Styles yeah that's a good one to talk about, I think. Because when yeah, we, that's a really interesting. When we saw scenario. Harry, and I felt like in the build up to when we'd gotten, anytime anyone asked me what I was doing that you were weekend, like, I was like, Harry Styles. And it was this weird, like. Cause, but he's like a serious musician. Yeah. How long ago did like, you see him? October 2017. Yes. And so, yeah, my encounter with Harry Styles was in 2014. Oh, I think. We, yeah, we have he's a very different that. person yeah. then, because yeah. he's much cooler then. Yeah, absolutely. But it was like in the build up. You have to prove that he's much cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's basically like Rod Stewart now. <laughs> in the build up, I had people would be asked because obviously I had to book time off work when we went because we went to London for the weekend uh, for the like days. Yeah, we made a big trip out of it. But it was the fact that people would be asking me like, "Oh, what are you doing?" I'd be like, "It was like I felt like often it was like my response was in such hushed tones." And then afterwards, I was like, "Actually, do you know what? No, this is like was the single I'm doing like, this. Yeah, <laughs> of that six month run, it was like the best day I'd had, and it was right? amazing. And yeah. it was like everyone in a room having a nice time, regardless of what their background, their yeah. orientation, anything like." that it was this mass coming together and it was such a actually there was such a mix of people in the room and it was free which and was there was lovely there was something really freeing about being in that room and actually just like having no inhibitions just being like losing all of that kind of feeling self-conscious about anything and then after that anytime and i just noticed the shift for me mm. personally is after that anytime like he for example yeah. would come up in conversation I'd just be like no actually like I don't care what you think yeah yeah, aggra- you know? yeah I am aggressively yeah, and that's, like that, yeah <laughs> but that's that definite fangirling though mm-hmm. for me it's just like actually it's a complete rejection of like previously whereas with One Direction for example mm-hmm. when it was like oh yeah I quite like that One Direction album mm-hmm. but like would never go around like screaming it from the rooftops oh god no it'd be like but, I'm secretly listening to yeah, this on Spotify there's, there's, <laughs> there's something there is something like 
free, free it is freeing to actually kind of go like, do you know i don't actually care like i'm i'm very enthusiastic mm. about x thing yeah and that's yeah. definitely had like a ripple effect in other in other things and yeah. obviously like from a podcast point of view whenever we sort of think we're going to talk about x subject it's just like i don't actually care what the response is from yeah from someone i know we're gonna someone's gonna say something back yeah. but actually like i like this thing from an from a no one's gonna be putting the same pressure or like having the same reaction to like my dad who like loves golf mm-hmm. yeah to talk to anyone about goals yeah but if i was to sit and like talk to someone for 45 minutes about the nuances of harry styles the reactions that people are going to have to those those two types but that feeling though that feeling of really embracing something that you love yeah is chemical and it feels great like why would you stop yourself from feeling and that was the case we've always made is like actually being really into this stuff we're really into this stuff because it makes us so happy and like going to that show was so liberating, was so lovely. I had such a high from it. Mm -hmm. Like, that is something that I think more people should embrace. Um, And I remember saying to you last week, actually, I got really excited because it was like worlds colliding. I I work in an arts organisation. I work with literature and like quite a so-called literary author Mm -hmm. in Max Porter tweeting that he'd been to a Shawn Mendes show and that more people should listen to pop music because it's just so like it was just a room full of people in love. Like It was so exciting to have a man Mm -hmm. in a position of kind of like people hold him in very, very high regard. He's a very literary author being like pop music is amazing. It's just like... Yes, yes, but we've yes, talked yes. about that before about this worth that like pop music whatever mm. that the spectrum of artists or whatever mm. that might mean versus the worth that people put on like serious rock musicians yeah. I mean I feel like you and I often straddle this kind of oh yeah I'm not allowed to like both yeah when I, you know the contrast between like being super into something that's considered like serious versus like oh sick Carly Rae Jepsen's got a new song I'm gonna right. like pump that all weekend and it's this yeah. one is one is often so is posited so often as being more worthy yeah and never the twine shall meet never the twine shall meet and I think that obviously must just come back to this sort of pop music in in particular Mm. often being considered a feminine feminine Mm. interest versus or trivial like yeah yeah, I mean those things I think are kind of my very first gig was Take That at Earl's Court in yeah. like 1995. Amazing. Now, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, a clip from it has been redoing the rounds, mm-hmm. which is when Take That, um, minus Robbie, because obviously he's yeah. a swine. I was about to say R.I.P., <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, he broke everyone's heart. Yeah. They did a performance of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh my Spirit. God, I've seen this. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did a performance of Smells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, Brick in the Wall, Pink yeah. Floyd. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think that's right. And it's so it's so funny to me because I I was there right yeah. and like I was about nine or ten and I was with my big sister and I was just like this is amazing yeah. yeah and then so for the last few years I've been looking it up on YouTube yeah. and like I've been playing it and then all of a sudden it resurfaced on on Twitter and I was yeah. like oh my god what is this this is the worst thing I've ever yeah. seen and you know what it's pretty terrible because they're all playing their own yeah. instruments and they're pop stars like yeah. aside from Gary who can play the piano yeah. Like he rips his t-shirt oh my God. at one point. <laughs> like they're performing. I, I like they were it. like, <laughs> they were like, screw it, man. They were yeah, having fun. It was like, yeah. It's a weird combination of what it is that like pop music and rock music and oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They're and the response to, to it on that. the internet was yeah. very much like, this is wrong. <laughs> this is yeah. fundamentally wrong. And maybe like objectively, and I really don't don't believe in objectivity. On a quality level, but like maybe yeah, it's, it was yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, but it was so much fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's nothing actually like immoral or wrong about that happening. Like, like they're not hurting anyone. No, like it literally Completely. doesn't matter whatsoever. It's 
it's yeah and i like to watch it watch it for fun yeah it's incredible it is and don't shy away from the fact that you enjoy watching yeah exactly yeah does it make you feel like writing this book and doing that research like is it all just like quite depressing to think about i don't think it is some of it is kind of you know we we are moving in a we're moving in in the right direction and i think that the internet and um kind of diversified media outlets have really helped and like just this kind of pressure commercially to increase diversity and representation is going to make a lot of difference Mm. Mm. Um, and I do think we're nudging in the right direction it's just you know the it's a really toxic combination of patriarchy and capitalism which Mm. and that's racist as well but yeah yeah that really kind of limits how far it can go Mm. I think there's like limitless potential right Mm. for a a nice society yeah it's just you know there are those structures of oppression that Mm. are very very reluctant to give up power Mm -hmm. because Mm. they think that it's finite like that, that always frustrates me so much this idea that like well you know we can just share but I mean that said I mean because I'm a lecturer now and I do feel like the students are moving more to the right um not all of them but like I do notice in the room like there's this kind of there are more students now than there ever used to be that would be like socialism will never work mm-hmm. or um feminism is toxic you know and it's just like where did these yeah. Like, where did this sense of fear yeah. for yeah. kind it of progression fear, yeah. come from? That's really interesting, the fact that that's happened. I was yeah. going to ask you, actually, about what the what you kind of think the role of the internet has, particularly with young people, in yeah. sort of perhaps in contrast to, to how it did for us generationally. Yeah. Because I think about, like, when I was sort of, like, 14, 15, and I was very involved in things like live journal mm-hmm. and message board mm-hmm. culture and things like that as a way of kind of pursuing my interests that didn't necessarily line up with my friends so going back to what we first started talking Mm. about when you've got this kind of the self that you have yeah in a yeah yeah you can actually be private be real or whatever yeah and then then like that i guess it's that kind of switch between the online and offline yeah yeah people can have whatever online world yeah but i but i think the thing is that i the thing that i think about now so i've just turned 31 and i Mm. feel like the difference in our teenage years and Mm. just that, that general kind of period of adolescence Mm. is that you know we weren't continuously online all the time there was this very much like oh well I'm at school Mm. from you know half eight or four and then I'm gonna go home and then for like an hour this evening I'll be allowed to go on the internet on the dial-up whatever yeah Yeah. so I'm gonna be like oh I'm gonna go on live journal and look at this community and then I'm gonna go on this message board Mm. where it's because it's like I used to use a lot of like band message Mm. boards and so much so much of the I want to say niche but they're not really niche now but like the the aspect of popular culture it's that like I subcultural so, stuff yeah, yeah. the stuff that yeah. I kind of found and was like very interested in I mean we've talked about how you know like so Donnie Darko mm-hmm. for example that was something that I found out about on a message board because it had a super like limited release here in the UK and I remember mm-hmm reading about it on like whatever message board I was ordering the DVD from HMV and at the time that felt like a very kind of like oh that's mm. like a thing that I used to do so often like I would read I would find certain books you know because they'd come up on on stuff mm. like that but so yeah so so much of my time was preoccupied on this kind of online space but it, at the same time it was limited and yeah. it was yeah. this for, and I and I do wonder sort of and so it was I, quite a private space yeah as well, but I, I had this kind of this so there was this real switch between an online and offsite a life mm. self mm-hmm. um, and some of my friends had shared those interests and you know we were very into you know like emo and yeah, all of yeah. that stuff at the time yeah. but I wonder now the difference now that young people have with the fact that they're just so sort of so continuously um, online and is there yeah. is there there's what? another look and that whole performative aspect actually yeah. you're having to do continue to do that 
on social media in particular, aren't you? Like, yeah. From my point of view, when I was younger and using, like, yeah, live journal and stuff, like, I could be myself a bit more then. Mm-hmm. Whereas, actually, now on social media, that idea of whoever you're presenting yourself to be at school or whatever, like, does that continue online? Do you have to carry on pretending to be into certain things? I think you do. Internet? Well, one of the things, because I just, earlier this year, I was at the International Girl Studies Conference, and mm. there were quite a few people talking about that, the shifting ways that, you know, social media yeah. and the internet has had because I do think that there is a problem with academic research and just our way of understanding things because it's shifted so much that we just can't yeah. even begin yeah. to imagine yeah, what yeah. it's like to be young and in this world where like so I talk about the hyper-regulation of, of school but that really does I think blur into yeah. the online world and the young people do talk about based on the findings that the, the other folks were presenting the, the young people do talk about like well, there isn't really that much of a distinction anymore, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they're much more savvy now than they were perhaps four years ago or five mm-hmm. years ago. And I think education and policy has been quite slow at responding to what are really fast-moving changes yeah. in terms of, like, you know, sexting and online yeah, harassment yeah, and bullying. Yeah. Um, I do think that there are those pockets. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about, like, gaming culture in particular. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's always this risk and I think there's a risk that there wasn't a few years ago when we were younger mm. and other people can find you much more easily because media like literacy is just so much better than when we were like yeah, like yeah, it's easy yeah. you can find people who are like oh well, that's a pseudonym in that space so it's probably going to be that and that, that you know yeah, like, you or you just find... glance over someone's shoulder yeah. or you share with one person and they share it with someone else and yeah because that's exactly what I was thinking about is that you know for, for me when I was at school there was sort of like this you know stuff I did at school the, the interest that I would mm-hmm. share with those people but then there was this like your other life it was like, it was like tip of the yeah. iceberg everything mm-hmm. else was just like there was all this stuff I was really into and I feel like I had the online spaces that I was using at the time and if the two of those so rarely overlapped yeah. and actually I was quite comfortable with that distance yeah. Yeah. I think a lot about like god actually how in the grand scheme of things like the consequences would have been so minimal but like mm-hmm. oh god imagine if all those people at yeah. school found out about like yeah. my live journal or something yeah, that's like what that. fan accounts are for now like, I mean obviously fan accounts are to so you can focus solely on enjoying that celebrity or whatever yeah but i guess there's also an anonymity to it mm. like you can have a fan account and it doesn't have to be your personal profile that you also like post about you know these yeah. celebrities or whatever you're really into but you can have like an anonymous fan account and people from school might not know, know that, that you it's run you. it yeah. yeah it's really interesting to think about the role that social media plays when it comes to sort of like the consumption of of aspects of popular culture and the way that you outwardly display like your interests and things because I do think that it's just so and that that's why I'm so interested by it I think it's because it's just so different to how so different the mind boggles at how different it is yeah. just for us and it is that kind of it's like on the one hand I look at social media and kind of young people on social media and I think oh you know stereotypes are being blurred more than ever oh, and mm. it feels you know it feels a lot better than it was and but then on the other hand the internet could be doing a lot more damage than I realise. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but then I wonder... That, I always feel really old when I say this, but like they, I don't think they know any different because no, they are that no, generation. It's literally... It, like, it's wireless. It's in the air. Yeah, like, yeah. They've, not, they've not... They've not... They're yeah. that digital generation. Yeah. Oh, my God, I just had a thought. You know that um, McFly song, you know, not much to change, but they live underwater? Yeah. Yes. Maybe the wireless and the internet is the water. Yeah. Like... Oh, my God. They you three thousand. Not much has changed, right? But actually, actually everything has changed yeah. yeah it's true though because I just like they're just that generation where they're just everything is at their disposal yeah. they're like online 
constantly they haven't had to like my one of my favorite things i ever do when i work with young people is just explain to them the concept of dial-up internet mm-hmm. yeah and they're like what yeah you like, can be on the phone yeah, like, <laughs> yeah so like yeah. My, if my dad wanted to just do business calls in the evening that was it that was game over for Give it a year and i think usb sticks they're gonna be like what's that yeah like, yeah i know yeah a disc me. drive yeah <laughs> can't even get usb sticks in a laptop nowadays so that'll be that'll be the next thing to go at least gonna be loads of usb sticks and archives yeah along yeah. with our floppy disks <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean though like, like I absolutely know what you mean. It's just always interesting to think that the internet in some ways is feels quite freeing, but in other ways. Yeah, it's opened real doors in terms of engaging with fan cultures and like mm. the broadening, you know, so one of my best friends I met on a message board. Mm, mm. That was a huge thing for me. It was actually like meeting like, like-minded people that had mm. interests that necessarily my friends at school weren't yeah. that psyched on. Yeah. So I ended up going online and, mm. you know, engaging mm. with those people, which mm. for me was obviously a real, a real positive. Does geography... And like physical geography make a difference as well like do people's I just I'm just thinking in terms of like you know when I go to like a big city like London or New mm-hmm. York or whatever I see people walking around and they're like even their physical fashion feels a lot more fluid and a lot more yeah. outward and do you think like young people in schools in London for example let me tell you yeah where was your yeah, yeah so, so it was all set in Norfolk but um one of the things that I was working on which I'm not really doing anymore is thinking about Norfolk as a kind of quite a unique space. It is and a very unique space. Norwich in particular. So um, let me just see if I can find... Um, there's a quote that I just love because they um, talk about Norfolk. So two of the um, uh, young people at the school, they were saying how coming um, to Norwich felt very different to being in London. Mm. But also how the kids in London, uh, in Norwich, were really thinking about how, like, it would be much more freeing in a big city like yeah. London, Birmingham, Manchester, whatever. Yeah. And the, the quote that I was looking for, which I can't find, because I don't actually know my book that well, <laughs> uh, is um, that one of the girls was like, I just think it would be much freer, because we were talking about gender identity and, yeah. and um, blurring the boundaries. And they were like, I just think it would be much freer in somewhere like London, because we're so secluded here. Mm. And I just love the way she said secluded as well because she did it in Norfolk yeah. so like so secluded and <laughs> I was just like that's true but like also like Norwich itself is kind of like a metropolis in this yeah. kind of rural yeah. space so while it feels very small it's so different to the rest of the area though, yeah. Isn't it? yeah but actually it's you know it's a big city it's where, the, it's the where city. kids from yeah. like Watton or whatever they come yeah. to this sort of place because they want to be themselves yeah um, and then people from here like want to go somewhere else but like Norwich is the end of the line right mm-hmm. we yeah. often talk about this it's like yeah, literally yeah. in the arse you of can't, England you can't go anywhere you don't, like, go you through don't Norwich. pass through Norwich yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's had a massive impact you know because we know that in terms of bands that come um, like yeah. you get so fewer bands yeah there's a sense that like you have to have a purpose for coming to Norwich mm-hmm. and so I do think that geography really matters actually mm-hmm. and I've been working with um, folks in different parts of the country on a different project that I'm working on now and I was talking to someone in Wales mm-hmm. um, and she's doing um, some research uh, for me where she She's based in Cardiff, obviously South Wales, and she was like, we need to go to the north because it's just so different there, mm-hmm. you know, and just things like, well, I'm going to need to get a translator because they speak more Welsh up in, yeah. in North Wales, yeah, yeah, like yeah. lots of different things. And so I do think geography really makes a difference. Mm. And because I'm also working on zine culture now as well, if you think about it in the 90s, mm-hmm. like, well, zines and sharing zines and the postal service was a way of connecting people across the United mm. States and yeah. also, you know, across mm. Europe, what have you, and not feeling alone. And then I think that kind of shifted into the message boards. Yeah. Mm. And now I think 
we're in a weird place where we are seeking like connections mm-hmm. yeah and we find them online but actually i think what we've all learned is that like kind of online connection doesn't it doesn't feel the same as when you're yeah. in the same room as yeah. someone yeah. and, yeah. and yeah. feel yeah. like you're being seen and listened to like yeah. in real time so yeah geography is really i think it is really significant yeah it is funny when i think about i've grew up in norfolk mm-hmm. and i do think about the fact that actually if i'm if perhaps i had grown up in somewhere more metropolitan yeah. so if i'd grown up in a bigger city actually whether so talking about spending a lot of time online trying to find people that like the mm-hmm. same things if I grew up in London for example actually how much of my time would mm-hmm. I have done with that because actually mm-hmm. perhaps people with similar interests might have been more accessible because there would have been more shows I could have mm-hmm. gone to mm-hmm. or things I could like it's just more diverse yeah isn't it? And so that, I mean Norfolk in particular suffers from being not particularly diverse in so many so ways you, yeah <laughs> you just don't get that range of you don't get that range so I mad I mean I imagine that in some ways those stereotypes and those rules at school in terms of what you mm-hmm. can and can't like are even are even stronger because you lack that. You but the irony the is that actually these young people that I was speaking to were really like progressive and yeah. like fluid yeah. with their understandings of things. It was just mm-hmm. that they were like, I see, I, I understand that like yeah. at a theoretical yeah. level. What I don't see is it happening in real life. Yeah, it's the actual yeah. sort of yeah. the real time examples of it, isn't it? Um, you what you said about the kind of what the work you've been doing on Dean culture and mm. actually this idea that you know you can seek things out online but actually mm-hmm. what we want is that kind of tangible mm-hmm. real world yeah. experience so do you think that that is more of a, a kind of generational response to having spent a lot of time online and almost not not rejecting it but mm-hmm. almost kind of going like oh well, i've tried this and actually what i want as that's an experience. literally my next research project like because i'm so to... interested in that because I, like I, the physicality I, and the tangibility yeah. and the yeah. materiality or whatever yeah because zine culture shouldn't have survived yeah right and that's my interest like it shouldn't have survived the internet there's no reason no. why we still want and seek out these kind of physical th- artifacts mm-hmm. and i do think that there is something about touching it mm. i think there's something about feeling connected to someone else yeah. in neoliberal times yeah. like we're positioned as individuals but this creates a community and just this sense that there is work and care that has gone into this that yeah. you can feel yeah. even if it's just a photocopy yeah, like, yeah. but it's the envelope that it comes mm. in when it's sent to you so you know they often have stickers on you you know your mm. name is on it you know that the person who's made it or yeah. even if it's from a distro yeah yeah like you're part of something of, of a connection yeah so i don't know what the answer to that is because i'm going to go around to different zine mm. um fests and oh, also cool. interview like practitioners and curators but yeah i think that there must it must be representative of this lack of connection yeah like you begin on the internet and you then you end up like we were born without the internet and then you know we found the internet and people were born with the internet are kind of moving on from that and going back to yeah. kind of yeah i, I think that's things. i think that's definitely the case for me from a kind of a personal point of mm-hmm. view if i think about you know so much of my time spending less time on the internet yeah it's yeah. so much of my time has been preoccupied with the internet with online spaces and actually over the last few years in particular I've just felt this absolute need to kind of just Mm. kick back and be like actually like what I don't want is to be fully in on this huge Mm. mass but also I mean it's similar with pop culture like the consumption of pop culture like people have gone back to buying records Mm -hmm. like Mm. rather than just well, you could say that listening back. to them online, it's like we've gone back to more kind of yeah, collecting culture, yeah, 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 collecting culture, and then things you know, like obviously, I I love books and reading, and that's part of what my um, yeah, the Kindle job was big, involved. and then it's 
yeah but th- that's that again is one of those things that's you know like i, I still like buying mm. stuff we've talked about stuff oh my today. god we were moaning about stuff earlier because there's so much stuff about uh, stuff around decluttering at the moment like yeah. decluttering your life the it's shredding like, freaking love having a cluttered life yeah. of things thank you like <laughs> and yeah i mean i think that's that's there's obviously like so much to be said about mm. the the current cultural climate and and this sort of the privilege that is involved in being able to say i'm just gonna get rid of all of this all my stuff. stuff and we've talked mm. about this personally before about you know what your personal circumstance is and actually your your attachment to mm. things and mm. yeah what, where that may have come mm. from mm. and but yeah this notion of actually like oh, i like having stuff yeah. i like you know i like books i like having things i, mm. I buy records yeah you know tom and i have always sort of collected zines and stuff like yeah. that but it is that kind of i think there's something to be said about the concept of like digital archiving and actually how you know, we might think the internet is forever, mm. but there are so many cases where, like, it's been proven that, well, like, like MySpace. Yeah. Oh my god, it's, it's right. not. It's not. Nothing is <laughs> forever. That didn't last. You yeah. know, you just you fire stuff out online. You know, tweeting and Instagram and, and all of these, mm. you know, yeah. online spaces. But actually, like, there is there is kind of an expir- yeah. expiration point for it. But actually, you know, that's not to say that, like, obviously, a book is going to last forever. But right. you know, but some people read a book and then send it to a charity shop, yeah. which is great and yeah. very honourable. But yeah. I can't do. I like to keep all the books but um, that reminds me actually I think it was Kelsey posted that do you see that tweet that about how she'd been thinking about at one point in her life she logged off of MSN Messenger and, and then never she didn't logged log again. again and I was like this is haunting like I just yeah. like, oh my god what yeah, changed you... like suddenly you just never logged on but again. I did that with MySpace as well it was like yeah, you, at some point you stopped. You just stopped and you just never didn't... logged in again. How weird is that? A, a, lot, a large proportion of my late teenage years and early 20s were spent on the post-secret community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... God, I forgot about post-secret. Yeah. God, and so I've made some like, lifelong friends of that and we created our own side group or whatever. But one day they just deleted loads of posts and I was like, this is unforgivable. Yeah. yeah. And But that was such an important part of my life for yeah. such a long period yeah. of time. And then, yeah, one day I just didn't log on anymore. You just not done it again. Like, I'm not even sure. I know what my username was. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not sure Can't what's remember. left up there anymore. Yeah. Like, And I'm sure nothing huge happened to make you stop. But no, like, but like it was such a, an important yeah. personal point of growth for me. I, I did that recently where I'd, I'd had a blog that I'd used all through my undergraduate degree. Um, was it Tumblr or was it no, a blog No, it wasn't blog? Tumblr. Okay. It was a blog spot. And it, I'd, I'd used it religiously. I think even before that as well. So before I went to uni, so I think it was at college. And I, have, I don't know why I was thinking about it. I think I was looking for an old picture. And I went to it and like all of the text was still there. But all of the images were just dead images. Oh, and no. I think, and I think it was because either wherever I'd hosted them had just gone photo bucket yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah and it was this very odd very oh my god you're thinking out. about my photo was, bucket thinking about all the stuff and photo bucket no, in joke, the I think it was that and it was this weird like oh because I was just merrily going about my way in the sense that it's this like digital scrapbook and yeah. just essentially you know I think about the live journal as well store it there saying, forever yeah oh it's fine because one day I might want to come back to it but actually it was just very jarring I spend loads of money every year on Flickr just because yeah. I don't want to delete them pictures right. yeah. I'm like I'm a prime about like putting everything on Google Drive like oh god yeah, isn't it funny just this problem. sort of yeah so I think that that's, there's a lot to be said about this sort of way that when you've spent so much time online actually mm. I think you there is this sort of it's not finite no, and it's no. actually the contrast between having a thing versus it being on a, a screen absolutely interesting. well once you've done your zine research you can come back that's on really and we can discuss yeah. that as well. Because Yeah, sounds... really excited about it. And it's like a new field for me. Mm. But I've been collecting zines for like 
ever. Ever. Yeah. So yeah, it's really exciting. Give, only... give me a year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll give you. We'll give you some time. There's no pressure. You know, yeah. There's no deadline with us. So fine. <laughs> is there anything else you want to give a shout out that you're coming like that's coming up? Is that sort of your main focus going forward? Oh, I'm doing some research for um, a charity at the moment called Plan UK and okay. we're doing some research on the state of girls' rights. So oh, that's nice. really exciting. So that's like taking up all of my time at the moment. Mm-hmm. That and I'm convening the MA Gender Studies. Which is, I know, um, superpower. That's it's so cool. It's, it's an awesome programme, yeah. but there are just so many things going on. So yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of just waiting to that point where I can stop doing those two. Well, not, I won't stop doing Gender Studies, but like stop being mm-hmm. so intensely like focused on that. I can just start the zines. Yeah. Like, I guess it's a nice, breath of fresh air yeah what's it? what's really nice is the university has given me funding so I'm Brilliant. going to Manchester London Glasgow Amazing. and so I'm just like oh I'm just really excited but I had to put it on hold because I've got these other projects on oh. the go so uh you said you've got yeah. to finish those before you can finish yeah. those and then and then move on but yeah I'm always happy to talk about these sorts of things Brilliant. so yeah cool. um and I guess lastly this is a curveball so you don't necessarily have to have a response um what are some things that you have been enjoying recently on the just general pop culture. Well, yes, we do love TV, TV, film, anything like that. Well, obviously, uh, I haven't seen the documentary yet, but it's on Amazon Prime Music, uh, Beyonce's Homecoming. Oh my God, yes, we've been discussing that this weekend. It's yeah, the, uh, I haven't watched it, but I've just been listening to that kind of endlessly. Yeah, it's I'm just, just so, so exhilarating to put it on Tidal. I was just I like, thank God. It's, it's actually on Spotify. <laughs> the palpable sense of relief I felt when I typed like Beyonce into Spotify and then it was there I was like oh thank god yeah because yeah. um, well because I use Amazon Music because mm. uh, I don't want to pay any extra money and yep, it was what's on there but they just like got rid of loads of stuff like Beyonce mm. Childish Gambino like all of it had been taken oh, off and wow. I was like oh my god well not all of Childish yeah. Gambino but uh, so annoying when they spread things across platforms and it's like if I want everything I need to sign up to four things yeah and I don't want to do that no. and I, you know I like Jay-Z but I'm not getting Tidal no. like, who has the time for um, no forgot Tidal even existed momentarily yeah other popular culture things oh I watched Us just the other day oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that although I spent a long time talking about theories and plot holes afterwards yeah I yeah, imagine exactly I think that's we something did. we're gonna yeah, like, yeah I hardly ever go to the cinema so that was just such a treat and it's like five pounds to go to the cinema yeah, now like it's, it's great isn't it it's beautiful it's um, a beautiful thing and I watched what we end up going so much now yeah. Marvellous Mrs Maisel yes yes I think we talked about that on Twitter actually like yeah. trying to rank her love interests mm. Excellent. Where's Maddie McCann? That was actually really rubbish. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Not, yeah. Well, it's just like, just well, nothing new. if you've listened to podcasts on it, yeah. then you don't really, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, the episode with the dog, the mm-hmm. dogs is the oh, one. Oh, that's the one I've heard a lot about. Is the that's dogs really episode. the only one worth watching. I'm trying to think. Oh, I want to watch that new um, Donald Glover and Rihanna. Thing. Oh, um, Island. Island. Yeah, have yeah. you seen that? No, not yet. No. I don't, I can't work out. I mean, I love them both and I really love Rihanna. Like, I really that's, love she's Rihanna. She's, yeah, yeah. She's just Deep, deeply invested in Rihanna. Yeah. So amazing. I am, I've, um, I've got it on, it's on my Amazon Prime. Yeah, I feel, I need to watch it. It's sort of come out of almost nowhere. Like, yeah. I, I need to sell some time to watch it. I mean, to be it, honest, I'm extremely pro the idea of getting to watch Donald Glover and Rihanna be on screen Oh my together. god. On a extended bench. period yeah. of time. Have you like... seen those clips of him dancing with yeah. them? It's a lot, isn't it? It's yeah, a lot. Yeah. Well, that'll be something that we review in future, I'm sure. Where can people find you online? You're on Twitter. If you Google Victoria Can, oh, yeah. C-A-N-N, I think I've got like a verified profile. Lovely. Ooh. Oh my God, you've got a blue tick. <laughs> I haven't got, no, I haven't oh, no, got a blue tick. No, but I had to like um, send like Google a picture of me Did holding you? up my driving license yeah. or whatever. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Um, so yeah, if you just Google Victoria Can, I think the top five results are all official ones. Amazing. But yeah, on Twitter, I'm 
at underscore can do, but can do is spelled C-A-N-N-D-O. Those are the two that I'm publicly Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming. Well, thanks for inviting me. and talking. That's been really great. And um, we'll have you back one day in the future, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks. It's an awesome podcast. So finally, our obsession of the week. What is your stuff, please? God, mine is a complete. Well, it's not really. It this is, is why this is so good, week, though. I know they're always so random. It's it is random and also or odd. It's obsession. I couldn't tell you whether it's a good or a bad thing. So I've been watching the new season of Game of Thrones, which is not something. Oh, that's well. Something it's you don't something about. I knew that I would do because yeah. I felt like I had to to get it done with. Um, because I think we've discussed this before. I've got absolutely no investment whatsoever well, in Game of Thrones. I think I was just going to quickly say actually when we were talking about tv is that like the only reason we don't address it on this podcast is because i don't watch it yeah and sorry did you start watching it i watched the first four seasons and then gave up because everyone i love kept dying so yeah and i was really invested in it to begin with and then spent many seasons just sort of like watching it because like why wouldn't i but not really caring um and then i was like i will obviously watch the final season and i think maybe psychologically because i know it's all coming to an end Mm -hmm. and i know that a lot of key players are going to die yeah i have found myself being more interested in it so far than i have for many many seasons um i think an overwhelming feeling that i've had in the last couple of weeks which i didn't anticipate was i wish i'd kept up with it if only because i would have seen it through for yeah. that reason yeah and i'm yeah i definitely just feel way more interested in how basically how a lot of the relationships are resolved just in a way that i didn't give a shit about before but i think because i know it's coming to end i'm interested also brianne of tarth who is played by Gwendolyn Christie is obviously the absolute best and the we queen, all knew she queen. was the absolute best of this show so much but I was just thinking yesterday and I was saying to Wes I cannot believe she gets to toy with the affections of Jamie Lannister do you fancy Jamie Lannister so much okay, um, and also Tormund Giantsbane who is just a big he's ginger a, he's a big he's ginger so cool hot. Drink he is and she there is a scene in episode 2 of this season in which she's just sat in between them by the fireside I was just thinking like what a dream this hot woman she's just the best has got these guys either side of her just staring at her <laughs> adoringly and I was just really 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 into that but my definitive ranking of Game of Thrones is just her um, and no one else if everyone else dies that's fine if she dies I, that might be the only tear I ever shed over Game of Thrones also very quickly it was Robert Smith's 60th birthday which is very nice so I was listening to The Cure quite a lot and I momentarily worried that he had died because he was trending on Twitter and stressful then, when yes, that happens yes it is really it? stressful those are my obsessions of the week what are yours? Uh, I know what yours is going to be You do you? yes what is mine? does one of yours begin with M and end with C-U? oh god <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're recording this on Tuesday the 23rd of April on Thursday the 25th of April a big yes. thing happens in the end game comes out and we will probably talk about end game in the next episode we certainly will but this episode will probably be uh, after it's come out so if you're wondering again why we're not covering it it's because of the timing has been timing is not great okay busy week busy week Um, busy lives but i watched in the last week i've managed to catch up while i'm catching up with i'm just filling in the gaps so i've done iron man one and two because i hadn't seen them soz you haven't seen iron man one no you haven't seen iron man one Iron Man one's great. I know, brilliant. Um, so good. And I've also watched Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh yeah. Mostly because I. How was that? It was fine. Okay. Love Paul Rudd. Could watch Paul Rudd for yeah, hours. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Hour and a half as well. Oh okay, Ish. that's okay. That's so. <sighs> and I also watched Doctor Strange last night, which was like the biggest waste of my time. But 
Had you not seen that before? No. I watched the first, like, I don't know, probably 20 minutes and was like, oh, Mads Mickelson," And then um, I it's think I just fine. went to bed. It's I just went fine. To bed. I said to Tom when he got home, you didn't miss anything. I could have read, could have read a Wikipedia. Anyway, all this is getting to is the fact that my entire, like, week has just revolved around the fact that I'm inevitably going to have to watch Steve Rogers die this yeah, week. Yeah, sorry about that. And it's three hours long. Three hours of, of grappling with the fact that I, I don't know why you put yourself through such mental oh, torture. Oh, my but God. there you go. Basically, Basically, though, this all boils down to the fact that my obsession of the week is um, Chris Evans. Again. Again. Because he's doing the, his final... Doing a lovely press tour. Those premiere stuff from last night, the red carpet stuff was pretty good. Final Avengers press tour is just breaking my absolute little heart. Like, I can't... I cannot get my head around it. It's making me really sad. I'm so sorry. I feel like my anxiety at the moment is is high <laughs> for a lot the, of reasons. Yeah. Life uh, reasons, but mainly not, Avengers reasons. It's not just Avengers related, um, but it's not Anyone from work who's there is, listening. You know. <laughs> there is, right. There is something deeply ironic about the fact I've scheduled therapy for the afternoon of... Are you going to spend your entire therapy Can talking about Avengers? I hope you do. That's an expensive therapy session Can you to imagine? do. That's what this podcast is for. Are we going to revisit our ranking? Uh, I want to. Yeah, I think we should. Because... Even if I do a top ten. Because I did get a bit silly in the... the, the I went over mine again this week and there are things... you stand by? There are discrepancies. Oh, okay. I think I was high. Think, oh, I was going to say, I didn't change it if that's what you're accusing me of. <laughs> no. I definitely did put a Nazi <laughs> higher than like... Peter Dinklage, though, so I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, we'll 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 definitely. I would I would it. like to write that wrong. Uh, who wouldn't? <laughs> um, yeah. So mostly just Chris Evans, and I'm sorry if you do follow me on any internet social media accounts. Because Mute her. My relentless posting of Chris Evans is probably is. Give it another week. No. I give it another week and I'll have smashed my phone because I don't want to go near the internet because someone will probably have ruined it for me and I'll be in a state of absolute. Yeah, if anyone Extreme ruins it for her, you're in so much trouble. Gonna like, she's going to take it out on me as well. Oh, God, please don't. Um, so that's us done. You can find us online, Twitter. We're at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. You can subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts by searching for the thirst. We're on Spotify now. It's the thirst as well. Instagram, we're at the thirst pod. The thirst pod wordpress.com is our blog. We're Facebook as well, forward slash the thirst pod. And you can email us at the thirst pod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. <laughs>